Hi everyone, you're listening to Blunt Talk with Gabriel Zamora. It's a little too harsh for me. Tequila? Yeah, something about the... the, the What's your background? I'm mixed, so it's more Irish than anything. Okay. Irish love, oh, beer. I like beer. Okay. And I don't drink alcohol anymore, but now I drink non-alcoholic beer because it gives me like that placebo effect. Yes. You know, like there's something, just the idea of getting a drink, right? Uh It makes you feel little, like something's going on, right? It's a placebo effect. Yes. So so now I go and I drink non-alcoholic beer and I feel like I get a little buzz. And I probably get a little bit. Like in the non-alcoholic beer, there's Uh that little bit of alcohol, but you got to drink like, you know, 40 of them to get probably you need sort of buzz but there's a little bit of alcohol on it so but i like the taste of the beer i guess kind of just from liking getting drunk and you know having a good Mm -hmm. time i think that kind of ties into it too so the taste kind of brings me back a little bit this sounds great man i can talk to myself like this all the time (laughs) like when i film my podcast by myself it's just this so it's kind of like it's like a fun little echo effect yeah Oh my god, I gotta drink, you guys. Oh my god. Oh my god, is it gonna leave a ring on it? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I don't wanna ruin your home, you guys. I am in Dr. Justin and Sarah Yovino's home right now. I'm super excited. Yes. Welcome. We love having you here. Thank you. With a cube? That's a big cube. Y'all are fancy. Hi, everyone. I'm Gabriel Zamora, and welcome back to another episode of Blunt Talk. For today's episode, I'm super excited because I have a special guest, and it kind of just happened out of the whim last week because we were having such a good conversation during our one-month follow-up that I was like, yo, doctor, have you been on a podcast? And he's like, I mean, kind of. And I was like, okay, like down, like it's going to be so easy. So for today's guest, I have my second liposuction doctor, Dr. Justin Yovino of Beverly Hills. Wait, I have like a little clap thing. Oh, look at that. Right? Like a little sound effect. Yeah. (laughs) We got a crowd. Yeah, we have like a little bit of a crowd. I like that. It feels good. So welcome, Dr. Yovino. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited, you guys, because yesterday, not yesterday, last week, we were doing my one-month follow-up. I've been open with you guys about my second liposuction journey, and we were doing my follow-up. Everything is really good. Everything's coming out great. I love my results, and I thought it would be really good to not only be able to pick my doctor's brain as to his background, kind of where he grew up, what kind of leads somebody into the plastic surgery route, at what point is it like scary? Like, you know, there's so many questions that I even as somebody who interacts with plastic surgeons have, let alone people who might not be able to, that there's just so many questions that we want to ask a plastic surgeon. Yeah, and I got so many answers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey, you know. Um, it's not just one answer. So, like, I get asked all the time, you know, why did you become a plastic surgeon? Why, you know, why did you go into plastic surgery? And it's a it, it's a development. You know, I just didn't wake up one day and go, oh, you know, I'm going to be a doctor, right? I actually didn't decide to be a doctor until I was in the middle of college, right? So okay. I the, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. Uh, my mom and my dad both did not graduate high school. My, uh, they went on to get their GEDs, and they were just working, you know, regular kind of nine to five jobs. My dad was a hairdresser, um, mm-hmm. and so he cut, right? So I cut. Okay. So there's maybe some similarity there. He cut hair, I cut skin. But uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, I wait. So what were your back? Your pan- earlier we were talking about your mixed, right? Yes. So. 
people ask me all the time, like, what's your background? Because yeah. it's hard for them to place it with me because I mm-hmm. kind of look like a mix of everything. And if I'm if I'm in Miami, they think I'm Hispanic, right? If yeah. I'm, I'm out here, then, and, you know, they say, are you Persian? Even though I don't look yeah. Persian. But it's like just Middle Eastern. It, yeah, like, it's just because kind of the environment you're in. But uh, my dad was half Irish, half Italian. My mom is Irish, English, and some sprinkle of American Indian. According, Ooh, to, okay. according to what she's been told, right? Okay, <laughs> uh, family's a little estranged. So, uh, mm. but that—that's—that's that's what I am. So I'm, I'm more Irish than anything, then Italian, then English, and some sprinkle of American Indian. The last name Yovino is also confusing because because yeah. I don't know the background of right. it. Right? Like, well, it should be I O V I N O. That's how it started. Okay. And the story is, is when they came over to New York or Ellis Island or wherever many generations ago. They're checking in and they say, "What's your name?" And they say, "Yovino." And because mm-hmm. the I O V I N O is pronounced Yovino, yeah. And so they change it to a Y. <sighs> and there's apparently no Y in Italian, so it throws it all off. Oh, okay. But it the origin is Italian, so Americans love the way my voice sounds. Right, it's amazing, dude. It's really (laughs) cool. Like you feel like you're in your head. I feel like I'm humming. You know, like (laughs) um, yeah, it's like a rhythm. You know, with this. Uh, so yeah, it's a mix of everything. And of course, I married a Persian. Now I'm now the kids are all mixed, right? Yeah. But isn't that what makes people cool? Like it's the layers of so much culture. The variety, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when you mix it up, uh, the the soup is much tastier. Right? Yeah. So you grew up in Tampa, Florida. So I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida. Okay. Uh, stayed there through high school and college. Mm-hmm. And in and so I played high school golf. And so I played a lot of golf. My dad wanted me to be a golf pro. I was never good enough for it. I couldn't play college golf even though I wanted to. And so I was just kind of going through college not knowing what to do because my parents didn't really give me a uh, a direction on what to do because they weren't really sure like you know how how to push me in any direction. And one of my dad's good friends is a family practitioner in Tampa. And we would go out and play golf and we were just, you know, many times, you know, uh talking and talking and, and he's like, "Well, why don't you become a doctor?" And that, for some reason, like, just saying that mm-hmm. spurred this, like, well, shoot, I can become a doctor. Why not? Right? Mm-hmm. I like science. I like people. I get along really well. Uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm cr- not crafty, but I've been drawing all my life and drawing things and drawing people. And, and just uh, there's an artistic side yes. to me. And it just seemed to all kind of come together at that moment. And so mm-hmm. then I started looking medical schools and and. and changing my I had no major in in college so if anybody's listening and you're in college or you're thinking about going to college, just go and you start and you'll figure it out right mm-hmm. you go through and you start learning and you get the process of, of absorbing new information and working hard and you know working your mind and, and memorizing stuff and then it evolves into something I, I always mm-hmm. think it was like painting right you know some people say well, I don't know what to paint right you yeah. just get a piece of canvas get some paint and start putting stuff on it and eventually yeah. it paints itself right you evolve into uh, you know an end point and so but uh, i think I, it's scary sometimes for kids in that high school even early college years to be like so what do you want to do like yeah. i have a sister right now who she's like a senior in high school and i'm like remembering that time of the constant question of like so what do you want to study like what do you want to major in and me looking back now i'm like damn that's like such a like that's a hard question at that age to put on sometimes kids because some kids yes they fully 
they know they're prodigies for what they're going to do in life. Sometimes it's those sports, sometimes it's dance. Like there's, like, you know, there's certain yeah. things that they're involved in, singing, um, acting, but like there's some kids that like go through it and they're like, I'm good at a lot of things, but like, fuck, how do I like figure out what am I supposed to do for the, and we have that notion of what are you going to do for the rest of your life Yeah. to these kids? So, you know, I do that. I did that today, right? I did that with my oldest uh, kid, uh, you, you can't help but say it's easy just to say, you know, what are you going to do? Have you thought about like what you're going to go into? Now, I don't I don't say what are you going to do for the rest of your life? You know, I think what we're really trying to say is what's your passion? Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's what you got to be passionate about something. You don't have to say, OK, you're going to become a doctor or you're going to become a lawyer or you're going to you know, you're you get into something you become passionate about something and that evolves into something else i mean all throughout your life you go into different stages you transition into some other passion that's likely evolved from the previous passion and so i think that's what we're trying to say to the young ones out there is like get passionate about something find something and just run with it and get Mm. really good at it and 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 enjoy it and figure it out yeah and if you Mm. don't like that move on to something else you know but but you can't just kind of linger around waiting for something to happen you gotta actually like go for something you know if you want to write a book you start writing short stories you know you want to you want to paint i don't know anything right you just go for it and dive hard into it and see where that takes you and that's what i try to say to my kids you know like i I just want them to be passionate about something other than youtube right you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like other than the media which is hard nowadays it's very hard i didn't have that as a kid like Mm -hmm. for me growing up the only time I had cartoons was Saturday morning from like like eight to ten. That was it on the TV, uh-huh. you know, and and everything else was not there. So you you're you're forced, so to speak. You're not forced, but the, there's no alternative. Do you have memories from elementary? Like, what are some of the earliest memories you can remember? You know, I think about you know, there it, these things just kind of pop in your head, you know throughout the day and throughout experiences i don't know i don't the the times i think back i think back a lot to high school for me like you know i I spend a lot of time playing golf because i feel like it takes me currently uh, because it takes me back to being a kid you know and being for me in high school i would go i worked at a golf course uh that was my first job as a 15 year old i went and ran the pro shop and and i would i would mix with the the older guys and like the 70 year olds and hear these stories i think about this one guy who was who i'm a left-handed golfer and so it's kind of unusual. Most people are right-handed. And, yeah. and I worked with a 70-year-old guy who, who was left-handed, but he told me when he was a kid, he would the he went to a, like a Catholic school, and the nuns would not allow any, any of the children to write with their left hand. Uh-huh. Right? It wasn't allowed because mm-hmm. right, you have to write with your right hand. That's just the way it was. And so he was writing with his left hand, and they would come and smack his hand with a ruler uh-huh. right? and, and cause pain. And so, of course, he forced himself to write right-handed now and, yeah. and so you know i mean that was you know i was 15 years old hearing these stories right and hearing all this kind of and hearing wisdom and and and, and learning and interacting with with strangers and and then also just walking out on the course of the grass under my feet and mm-hmm. and i don't know just you know so i venture back into that kind of mode of, of where i was in high school and just being on the course and and interacting with my friends and building relationships and and, mm-hmm. and that was just you know it has me grow as an individual Mm-hmm. It was golf the only kind of extracurricular activity you did in high school? Yeah, that was my sport. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, 
I like sports. I'm not like what's my you know. People say, "What's your favorite team?" I don't have one. I mean, I just like a good game. You know? yeah. any, any game it is. Um, but I went out when I got into high school, and high school was tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Here it's ninth, tenth, and twelfth. So mm-hmm. tenth, I, I go to high school, and uh, there's the football team, right? And I'm like, shoot, man, maybe I'll play football. That looks pretty cool. I'd never played football okay. ever in my life, right? So uh, there's junior varsity tryouts. So I go out, but I get all my gear. I go out there, and uh, I remember going against uh, Bobby Trent was his name. We were friends, and he went on to be like student council, all this stuff, right? And uh, we go head to head, and it's about the tackling and taking it and so we go running at each other and he takes me out man he hits my legs and i'm like up in the air and it's done i didn't get hurt but at that point i realized these guys have been playing football like for years because i'm like 10th grade and i go out there for my first time and i get leveled right and uh and i'm like i don't know anything about the techniques of football i'm gonna get crushed out here and i don't know if i really am into it but I tried, right? Okay. So I was like, okay, that's it, you know? And so I hung that up, and then I said, you know, I'm going to just stick with golf. Okay. I've already been playing for, for some years, and although I wasn't the greatest, uh, you know, that I felt passionate about it. So, mm-hmm. so I ran with that. Nice. Okay, so then you go to college. Um, other things, uh, and oh. if you think about childhood, another thing popped in my head is wow. I'm a, I really like music, right? And okay. I know a lot of people like music, but, you know, some people like it more than others. And, yeah. and I really like, can lose myself in really good music, right? You, huh. you turn it on, and, and, and just like hearing our voices here, it feels <laughs> good, right? But yeah. if you have an amazing song, right, you can totally lose yourself and just yeah. kind of be in a whole other place. You can be out of this, out of this world, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so I think back to when I was with my dad. My dad was really into music too, and he would always play music. And in fact, that's why I have this uh, record player yeah. sitting here because I have his old albums, and uh, and he would play it in the house, and it just was always filling the house. And it was a lot of alternative music at the time, so the Smiths and New Order, and uh, Talk Talk, and, and you know all, all these uh, kind of alternative uh, new wave bands, and mm-hmm. and so. I think back to those times of just kind of listening to music and hearing, and he was just as passionate about it as I am, and it, it feels like it kind of runs in the genes. It's probably a lot of environmental, uh, but it feels genetic at this point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, and so I think back to those memories. I mean, you know, just family stuff. Family, you know, I didn't have any brothers or sisters, and I'd actually... Oh, you so know, you were an only child? I was an only child, and, but, but that doesn't even seem like that's like uh not shocking to me well, like yeah because Sarah, that's your world yeah. that's your reality Sarah, but to me somebody, i'm like i'm the oldest of four. Oh, see that's a, it's a whole <laughs> different experience for me um i wasn't bored though like i wasn't lonely i i always kept myself busy and i always just liked uh exploring and observing and talking to people and just kind of being human being alive i was always like i just like i'm just happy put my feet on the ground in the morning right that's, mm-hmm. that's all i need because i can I'm, I'm alive and i can just live it and so for me i, I didn't i wasn't lonely you know i mm-hmm. had my and i got along with my parents really well i was a good kid and i just enjoyed enjoyed life mm-hmm. Did you grow up around <clears throat> a lot of like family members? Like, were there family, other family, maybe cousins, aunts, and uncles nearby, or um, were y'all really separated? They, you know, there was family around, uh, and we would get together for holidays, and there was definitely, there's definitely family around. It wasn't like 
always doing family things though like everybody all getting together all the time or traveling together all this stuff it was really just my mom and i and my dad and my stepdad they got divorced my mom and dad got divorced when i was really young but there was two families and mostly it was with my mom and my stepdad and then i would spend weekends with my dad and then i had you know a couple friends that i saw regularly that would stay with me on the weekends and and we would go and do different things and i skateboarded for many years every day <clears throat> get up in the morning and and uh go skating all over the place and then eventually when everybody kind of grew up a little bit and stopped skating i moved into golf that's that's okay. that was my transition so i was always keeping busy but you could have been yeah. the next tony hawk <laughs> Damn, it's too dangerous man it's too <laughs> oh my dangerous. god i've seen those i don't even know how like he's what I don't, he's got to be close to 50 now right because he was older than me I'm and i'm sure. 47 and that guy's still doing those vert ramps yeah. and stuff i'm like oh, that's crazy i think okay. it's like muscle memory for him i think his body is just so trained in the sport that I think he's designed for it. It's like when a swimmer has been swimming their whole life, they're designed for it. Even if they like probably quit after like college, like yeah. them swimming, like you train your body to excellence to a specific sport. Like one can but only still, expect. Like, you know, still, you make a mistake, man. And then, no, yeah, that, like that you can still die. That, that one, <laughs> you that can one, still break everything. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, but I can see why he could be like fifty years old and still doing like kickflips and doing like like skiing on a rail and like yeah, it's great. And I still watch it. I can't help it. <laughs> I'm always watching the skaters online because it just it just I'm enamored by it, especially no. all the things that they do nowadays. So you might get a skateboard soon. Actually, I still have them in the back. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So actually, when I moved to, to Beverly Hills uh, about eight or nine years ago and I brought a skateboard with me and I actually got another one and so I would skate around uh, and because I still just love the act of it but now I've moved on to what's called the one wheel I don't know if we talked oh yeah before it's you know it's electric and you don't have to kick or anything like that but it's still it's still uh, fast but there's no tricks necessarily with it so I've moved on to that yeah. which is a little more I've uh, seen a lot style. of people in that especially in downtown like yeah. they're just getting around and oh, it's great i'm like oh that's yeah, they go, so cool they, they go forever like the new ones that are coming out go like 22 miles on one charge right so yeah. my, my commute wow. to two miles back and forth is like a piece of cake i love perfect it. it's like snowboarding to, to work <laughs> yeah. okay so before you, so you moved to beverly hills eight years ago but before we get to beverly hills we have to go back to you graduate from college you you get that recommendation of you should be a doctor and you're like oh maybe yeah. i should like that's kind of so you start doing the research and was it are you initially like oh i want to be a plastic surgeon or was it like oh like what kind of doctor do i want to be yeah so i was i was very open to you know the profession of medicine right so mm -hmm. for me i'd say okay i want to be a doctor right i just said all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go full steam for that i'm in college you know what do you do right you go and you explore the pre-medical requisites right yeah. so you there's a whole list of things that you need to uh to qualify for medical school and you start fulfilling those right you sign up for those classes and you kind of plan out your time well, now it's going to take me out you know once i decided to do that it was about a three-year track before i could graduate undergrad and go into medical school so mm -hmm. once you decide to, to do that then i started putting all my effort in before i was making bees and you know just kind of like going along because i wasn't really passionate about it yeah. but then once you get like okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it well then you start getting making a's and you really start you know, learning, right? Your, yeah. your, your, your passion. And so then you apply for medical school, you apply all over the place. I, I went to university of Miami. Uh, so I stayed in Florida, but I went to South Florida and from Tampa to Miami, totally different world, right? Yes. Different type of people, different atmosphere. 
and it was fantastic, right? So I go down to, to Miami um, and go into medical school, which at that point, I didn't know what kind of doctor I was going to be. I didn't know if I was going to be a surgeon or what. I didn't know. I just went in because I, I knew I liked science. I liked people. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so the first two years, you start studying all the anatomy and material, the the <laughs> yeah so the first one of the first classes that you uh, go into in medical school is the anatomy lab right it's gross anatomy right everybody knows the term gross anatomy right so you get a cadaver right you get a dead body that has been preserved and uh and you have to dissect it throughout the year right so there is an instructor who says okay we're going to work on the upper extremity right the arm right throughout the year yeah yeah yeah. and you can keep a cadaver kind of intact they get preserved right (gasps) it smells like formaldehyde in the room right you go into the i I know that smell. i worked at a funeral home for like eight months it's very uh it's it's unforgettable right yes and it stays on you it Mm -hmm. sticks on your clothes so whatever the the funeral home director would also do the embalming of the bodies and that kind of like i guess the fumes it would get into his skin and like even back then i knew there was like an issue with his skin because it was like all these like burst little capillaries Uh, all throughout just from that was from his alcoholism oh it was a little bit of both i mean he hated his wife too like i was like poor guy like he's having to embalm these bodies but it was like in the south like but i was like i just remember that smell of that like oh yeah it's it's unforgettable right Mm -hmm. and it stays on everything and yeah i'm sure it gets all in the skin too yes you essentially you go in with you 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 change and go in with the clothes and you leave and you you take them off because if you you leave with them and you smell terrible so i get this body right Mm -hmm. and uh I want to say his name was Joe. You get a little history on the on the guy, like really? where he came from, like where, where you know, and, and some of the things. You get a little medical history on the oh, cadaver. Okay. I was right? like favorite color, favorite yeah. show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> size penal implant, right? What was he said. allergic yeah. to? Yeah. <laughs> so you get this body, and I felt really privileged for like mm-hmm. it, it was an honor, right, to have somebody who would give up their body because they're donors, right? They're okay, donors, wow. right? That, you know, to like give it up to science, to essentially give it to me, right, yeah. to to learn. To learn anatomy and there's no better way to learn anatomy than to dissect through all the layers and essentially cut it all apart right and that's Mm -hmm. instead of just looking in a textbook you can do that and i had multiple anatomy textbooks with me in to correlate with what i was seeing okay and 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 i thought it was fantastic man it was Mm -hmm. mind-blowing right you know to 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 look through and look through all the layers and, and see how it's all laid out and i just and at that point i realized i want to be a surgeon Right. Wow. For me to be like playing with anatomy, to to work in this type of visual setting and hands-on setting, it's surgery. And that's yeah. it, right? So I knew uh, right when I went into medical school that, uh, and I didn't know that coming in. Right? I had no idea I was going to experience that moment. But that moment led me to surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I crushed it, right? I just loved it. I did, you know, A's. I mean, I didn't miss anything, right? It was just awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, from that point, you go through medical school and all the other other specialties, and then you you in the 
third and fourth year of medical school, you're in the hospital. So you transition from the classroom of learning all the material and you transition into the hospital and you rotate through things from OBGYN, right, delivering babies to internal medicine and and dealing with diabetes and to the surgical rotations where you you are doing hernias and all these things. But you're not doing them, right? You're Mm -hmm. shadowing the doctors. You're standing in surgery with them. You're standing right next to the surgeon. You're watching, right? You're you're not doing anything, Mm -hmm. no hands-on stuff other than holding a retractor and, like, moving some tissue away so the, the surgeon can operate. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, at still at, at that point, I didn't know I wanted to do plastic surgery because then now I just know I like surgery. And mm. honestly, every surgical like procedure I went into, I loved. It was great, you mm. know, like from doing vascular surgery, like putting vessels together to cardiac <sighs> surgery when, uh, you know, you're you're operating on the heart or the lungs or or even being in, in the gallbladder. I mean, all this stuff was great because everyone has new anatomy. It's all this anatomy mm. I had studied and like now you're seeing it in real life. And. So for me, I, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go with a surgical um, profession. Okay. So you start thinking like, who has the best lifestyle, right? A lot, <laughs> right, right, right? Yes, absolutely. Now, now you, you take in other things like, you know, and so, um, I mean, there was multiple thoughts that went in my head and why I went into plastics. Uh, we always say plastics. My wife says, oh, why do you say plastics? It sounds like you should say plastic surgery, right? <laughs> plastics is just kind of how we talk and it's yeah. easy, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, few things. Plastics, plastic surgery patients typically are healthy, right? Uh-huh. They're not... Yeah usually sick so vascular surgery patients right although the putting blood vessels together is all great they're usually diabetic hypertensive they're sick they got other medical problems and so no matter how good your surgery is how much you have put things together perfectly it can like go down right because the the arteries clog or some kind of you know stuff like that or there's so many factors there's so many factors the patients are sick and also they in the hospital you know and so for me i was like man that doesn't seem that attractive you know and then plus like if you if you get your gallbladder right, have you had your appendix taken out? No, no gallbladder, nothing. No. All right. So if you did, if uh-huh. I asked you who was your surgeon, you'd be like, I don't, I don't know, uh-huh, I don't okay. have no idea, right? So they don't remember, they don't they don't really necessarily mm, okay. bond so much with their surgeon, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't. There's you know some that do, but in general, like oh yeah, I had my appendix out, you know, or you know, I don't remember the guy. It was great, yeah, it was good, but look at the scar. Yeah. Right. Everybody wants to talk about the scar. Yeah. And so with plastic surgery, right, it's all on the surface. You know, you say superficial, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's on the surface. And that's what ultimately I think people like to, to really look at. is like, oh, you know, yeah, I had this, you know, I had a wonderful baby. But, man, look at my C-section scar. Right? Yeah. It's like, and so for me, I felt like that's what they're all, that's what most people talk about and what they see. And so I like being able to see my work. Mm-hmm. If I take out your gallbladder, all you're going to see is the scar, yeah. right? You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I feel much better. And then you forget about that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but you always remember the scar, right? It's yeah. always like, and so I, I felt like it's something I could see and, and I, and I like that, not something that you can't see anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that kind of got, gave me my artistic side to it, reshaping things like plastics is like a, is a remolding, a reshaping of things. And so for me to, change uh, a person's body for the positive but re reshape it gives me that artistic feel gives, yes gives, okay you know, um, as opposed to just kind of going in and cutting something out sewing it up like that's fun but i don't know i just didn't see that giving me yeah you know, i didn't see like 
necessarily being passionate about it all my life, right? You mm, know, like okay. I'm that fulfillment. I'm, yeah, I'm passionate about the plastic surgery and what I do, like all my life. I mean, it's not going anywhere. I'm not like uh, I don't feel like there's a burnout on the actual procedure. I love the procedure. I love, mm-hmm. love what I do. So, um, you know, and then with plastic surgery, I started, so I didn't just make the decision, hey, I'm going to go into plastic surgery. I, I went through medical school and I applied for general surgery because I wasn't 100% sure mm. if I wanted to do plastic surgery because there's a whole element of psychology with plastic surgery, Ooh, right? Because okay. it's hard sometimes to please everybody, yes. right? You know, especially if you operate on somebody and you do something, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. You can't take it back, right? And people are crazier in yeah. the like plastic surgery, right? Life. So you hear that a lot. Like, you sure you want to go into it? a lot of crazy people out there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so you know, I wasn't one hundred percent. So I did general surgery. So uh, so I went into five year program of general surgery. And so what that is 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 hernias and gallbladders and 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 just kind of all over the body. There's a little mix of everything. Okay. Okay. Um, and so once and that gave me my basic kind of general surgery skills and i utilize them all the time and just how to suture how to take care of patients if they get in trouble or have a complication or bleeding or something like that it goes it's not a plastic surgery problem it's a general surgery problem it's a surgical principle so it okay. gave me a, gave me a huge foundation so after a few years in general surgery then i'm like i want to subspecialize and i and at that point i got a lot of hands-on exposure to plastic surgery directly so i took call in the in the er as a surgical resident in training and sewing up lacerations people coming in with their face all cut up or whatever kind of you know they they call the the surgical resident to come close it up right not Mm -hmm. the attending who's at home you know drinking wine Mm -hmm. right they the guy who's in-house which is the the resident and i just love that i loved putting things back together sewing it really meticulously and 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 I don't know, just kind of bonding with the patients. They just love you for it, right? Mm-hmm. If you take good care of them and, and really put them back together, I mean, it's, it's, it saves their life, so to speak. Yeah. It saves their mind, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, at that point, I'm like, okay, I, I really like plastic surgery. This is definitely what I'm going to do. I like people. I get along with them really well. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, I'm not crazy. I, I'm pretty calm and I'm That's pretty, what crazy people say. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I'm right. not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, like, I, I feel like, I can really talk to people. And even if they're a little bit, you know, little, little, you know, crazy, a little, right? tick. <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit, like I can still, they're still real people. There's yeah. still a real person in there. And if you talk to them the right way and you listen, I'm a, I think of myself, I'm a pretty good listener. Uh, and, and it's cause I like it. I like to mm-hmm. hear the stories. I like to hear, like to learn about them. And if you really just kind of listen to people, you can go a long ways, right? Yeah. Even if there's some quirks there, you know, you can, you can still gel with them. Um, we can talk about the the art of picking patients later. That's a whole, that's a whole other thing. That's Wait, still- I want to talk about the art of picking a doctor. Yes, because we earlier I was like, I you go through this school process, you go through the qualifications, all these things to be a board certified plastic surgeon, and I'm guilty of this. But how does a customer go out and verify? a plastic surgeon's degree or just a doctor in general's degree. Because I remember I had a conversation with an esthetician and I was telling her about my eyebrow transplant, right? And she's like, oh my God, like, oh, like, like uh, she asked me at one point, like, oh, like, is he like a board certified doctor? Like just straight up. And I'm like, um, I 
don't really know. And she's like, what do you mean you don't know? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, he just looked legit. He had a website and he had like before and afters. And she's like, oh my God, like that's scary. And I like really thought about it. I was like, wow, like I've been very blessed in not having to like get into a position of like getting with some sort of sketchy fake doctor. So I want to know from you as a professional, how does a customer go around to not only find a doctor, but also verify their credentials? It can be challenging, right? It's not an easy answer, right? The easiest answer is, is whatever you're going to have done, Mm -hmm. you're, you're going to look at that specialty board yeah. Okay. okay. And you're going to go to the website and you're going to plug in the doctor's name. You can see license verification or board certification okay. verification. You can plug in their name and see if they come up. Is right? that a but it depends national on the, or state kind of national. website? Oh, okay. National. So the states come into play with the license. The medical license, you have to have, uh-huh. a, have a license in each state. Okay. There's not a general thing. There's general exams, but then you have to get certified in a state right okay. so i have a medical license here in california i have a medical license in florida i used to have one in michigan which is where i did my plastic surgery training i let okay. that one go because i knew i wasn't going back to michigan yeah but uh, <laughs> only if on vacation um but you so if you come in you're looking for a plastic surgeon right uh mm-hmm. and you know first off is trying to find one to look up right but mm-hmm. you know say you're thinking about you know a liposuction procedure right which is the most common procedure that I do. And I do a lot of, a lot of things in the awake arena and we do breasts and we do face and necks, but let's just talk liposuction, right? Cause, mm-hmm. cause that is one that has a lot of people in the mix, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of doctors from internal medicines to anesthesiologists to OBGYN. So many people are doing that. I mean, every, right, right. It's a huge business and they, you know, obviously they want to get into it because you know, that's, that's where the money is, so to mm-hmm. speak. Right. And there's a lot of business there. So you, you we know, Hey, who does liposuction? Well, it's plastic surgeons, right? And you mm-hmm. want a plastic surgeon, you, you start, best thing to do is you start asking around, right? Yeah. You, you know, the best thing is that you've got a, a good friend network, you're, you socialize, you communicate with people, and you ask around. And some, yes. people, some people are going to throw out some names. You know, it's so common that somebody's going to throw out some names, and, and now you're going to go, okay, now I got, I got three names. Or you go online and you Google, right? Mm-hmm. You can Google. I like to you do know, both. Yeah, yeah, I like to start off with recommendations. Right. You already have a cute list, and then you do your own research to cross-verify any yeah. information. You use all your resources, right? You can you, you can use a search engine like Google. You can also go onto Yelp, right? And it's not my favorite site. There's but- an app, and I actually looked you up on it yeah. before I even had fully booked you, and somebody had recommended this app. It's like a surgery app. Huh. It's is it I am. No, real self. Oh, yeah. Okay. Real self. Yeah. And I remember right. I saw, because people post like very blunt and honest kind oh, of reviews. Their whole, their whole journey on there. Their right? whole journey. Yeah. Like even, you can even tell when like the crazies post. Because they're oh, like, yeah. this doctor refused because they said I had too many procedures on this body part, but they know I'm insecure. And I'm like, okay, you're crazy. And like, yeah. this isn't you a regular bad it, review. Yeah. <laughs> like I've seen some of those reviews on like different doctors and real self you guys it's like the logo is rs do you like that what that app yeah so uh realself.com right mm-hmm. and i don't work for them or anything like that but they've been around for a while and i actually got involved with them oh, okay. uh, at the beginning of my career so i'm in practice now since 2009 so over 10 years okay. um and they were a fairly kind of newer company and they were uh it's actually genius they 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 pose a question right or they mm-hmm. put it up in a, in a somebody can 
type in a question, right? You go on, you type in a question, and then it has it has doctors answer it, right? So we go oh, on and okay. we answer and give our opinion, right? It's perfect because we write all the content for their website. Yeah. Like it was a genius idea. And so, uh, and you can load up some photos, things like that. And so it's, it's grown over the years. Now it's a huge, it's a behemoth, right? And yeah. it's got so much content on it. That's why you can get lost in it if you yeah. go on it. Um, and so I, I got involved early because I was like, oh, this is this is a good idea. And, I, and I'd and i spend a lot of time answering patients' questions, right, and okay. giving my opinion on it. And then other doctors write stuff, too, and you can hear what their opinions are. So it's actually a good forum for doctors and patients. And uh, and so, you know, over the years, they allow reviews, and patients go on there and write all, all their experiences. And I've had tons of my patients do that. And so now I've got a pretty good presence on that. And it's um, a good resource. And if you yeah, search... Yeah, you're verified on there. Yeah. And if you... If you <laughs> That whole verification thing is like a whole new thing too. You have to watch out for that because you can get oh. fooled with doctors who are not, who are not plastic surgeons who get verified on on sites like this who are not governed. Right? What? They're governed by money. Right? So, My mouth is open yeah, right now, you guys. Yeah, I'm shocked. Yeah. Wow. They're governed, by, they're governed by money, right? You know, and and obviously I mean, they have ethics. Everything and stuff, is corrupt. But, but right. Yeah. So the only thing that's not corrupt is the boards. Right? Okay. The boards yes. are very tough, and there's okay. no there's no like. You know, you're just a number with them, and you gotta you gotta shine, right, to, yeah. to pass. So uh, there might be some people that have failed the boards that will argue with that it is corrupt, but that's not corrupt, man. You got to work hard. You know your stuff. You can pass it, but it takes mm-hmm. a lot of effort, right? Um, but yeah, so so real self is really good at uh, coming up on any topic, right? You, mm-hmm. you type in liposuction, they're gonna come up on the first page, yeah. and, and you click on that, and then you, you dive into that world, and then you can mm-hmm. start, and it, and that is a good source to find a surgeon in your area. They're very good about, uh, you know, knowing where you're searching from, and then bringing up all the surgeons that are in the area. Yeah. Now, if you're getting 50 surgeons, which you're gonna get, or more, right, now how do you decide? Well, you click on reviews, and right, you spend the time mm-hmm. reading what people are writing about them, yeah. and you know which ones are crazy, and you know which ones are like, maybe written by their staff or some or a family member to yeah. try to boost them up that you know that all exists but you can read the ones that are like true real patients it it, it yes you can tell you, you can tell mm-hmm. you, you know when someone's speaking from their heart and mm-hmm. and, and so um it's it, i think it's important you find someone that you read through the review and you're like okay i like this person you know i, I like what they're saying right and so you can get a kind of list of people and then you can go on to other review sites and see if that that uh, correlates and then mm-hmm. you should start looking at the the surgeon, right? So so then you can verify the right. So now I'd go and say, go to that medical, go to the board, right? So the American mm-hmm. Board of Plastic Surgery. Okay. Um, and you put in the, the name, right? And see if they come up. Yeah. Right. And that can eliminate some a handful of them right mm-hmm. there. And now you got a you know a list of few. And then I would say it's important to look at before and afters. Yes. Right. And and, uh, and that's why we were just talking about this earlier, where you go to my Instagram, it's just loaded with before and afters. And I find that that's what people really care about is results. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And not, and not their doctor dancing in the OR. So that's eh, fun and stuff, but that's not what you're there for. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be dancing with them in the OR. That's not going to carry you on. Right. You want, you want your your results and you want to love it right and so you need to go look and see if there's before and afters right and and it's not just one before and after right yeah i think talk about liposuction you can go to some doctor's website and you might see two before and afters right yes right Mm -hmm. and that happens a lot and that should be a red flag you're like "Hmm, why is there only two if he does a lot of it he should have a lot of before and afters and either he doesn't do a lot of it he or she Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't do a lot of it or they do a lot of it but not very well and so mm-hmm. they can't show it, 
right? And it's and, and then they'll say, oh, well, the patients won't let me show it. Right? That's BS, right? <laughs> you know, you know, the body. A lot of patients let you show it. Not yeah. everybody, but uh, you know, and if you're doing a good amount of volume and you're doing plastic surgeon kind of contracts have really like an extensive list of like options of what you feel comfortable with showing. You can either check the box of you can show everything or you can cut my face out um, and you can show my body or remove all tattoos and you can show it or you can only show it internally in the office not on the website like there's so many options yeah that they give so when someone's like oh no the customer didn't like it's rare it's usually like people like me who like don't want to talk about it too much um yeah so but yeah there's a mix you know the, the I'd say, I don't know, the number is 50% allow me to show photos. I mean, there's so many mm. that I have. I mean, I have a huge inventory at this at this point of photos. But I, I think that's important. You, you're looking for your surgeon. You want to look at before and afters, right? For mm-hmm. plastic surgery, right? If you're going yeah. for, for gallbladder removal, that's a different story. You're not going to see any photos, right? But yeah. you, but I mean, you might want to look. scar. <laughs> yeah, but you might want to look online. And, you know, it's not... Un, it's not uh, it's a, it's not unheard of to say, Hey, listen, you know, I really like you. I'm thinking about this one. Like, can I talk to one of your previous patients on the phone? Right? Wow. That's an option. People don't okay. really, I did not know that was an option. Yeah. I mean, it, I actually rarely get asked for it, but okay. once in a while someone does. And I'm like, absolutely. I got a whole a handful of people that are, because be my approach is go to their tagged photos or maybe they'll tag a patient and I can look at their procedure basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, before and after is important. Reviews nowadays, like in the past, like when I first started, there was not many reviews out there. Right? Yeah. So was, you couldn't really tell. It was all word of mouth, right? Yeah. Obviously, word of mouth is great, too, if you know some people. But it's a little could, slower, in a sense. It's slower, and it's mm-hmm. in, and it's... Um, it's only one, right? And and, no. you, and you need a, like a whole. You need more than one because I met a patient here recently, right? Who had liposuction done outside of me. Comes to me six months after his procedure. He's not happy with it, and he had some irregularities. And and, and he just you know. And so I got talking to him, and um, and he had it done here in Beverly Hills, and he went to this plastic surgeon who is fairly new out and. Uh, from from training which is also you have to you know they're new and they're, they're, yeah. they're still learning right they mm-hmm. it can be safe right I, yeah. was, I was new at one point but i was safe and i, I worked my way up into more complicated things mm-hmm. but he went to this plastic surgeon because his friend had had another procedure and was had a great experience or mm-hmm. like loved their outcome and so he didn't even think about it he's like okay i'll go to that one and he got a terrible outcome right mm-hmm. uh, and so you know that can be challenging so you have to it has to be more than just one person right yeah. so that that's where the online world kind of gives you access to all that and you know once you get some names like for me <laughs> i mean for me it was very um like i asked my friends and i have friends who i will not name um but they recommended dr yovino i have been into the office with said certain friends um and that's, that's right. why that's when we first met right yeah that's when we that. first met i was in the office i was like hi i'm gabriel zamora nice to meet you i'm you here with my friend blue there was something blue i had blue hair yeah blue hair that yeah day. i used that's to have right. blue hair yeah, okay mm-hmm. so i went about it that way like my process with you was well i've heard your name before from my friends so i already have recommendations in a sense then i did the kind of internet search of like okay like you know like do your research gabriel right. don't just be going some fucking random guy yeah. right i was like go to the real self go to like go look at the before and afters start to really pick what like 
who's the doctor that you want and why? And like start making those lists of like, okay, well, this doctor, I like this, but there's this. This doctor, this, but there's this. And with you, I was like, oh, like there's no negatives. Like there's no negatives. I was like, I'm all in. Yes. I was like, oh, I'm down. I'm like, I get to stay in my city. Like I don't have to go under like all these things. And before we get into my surgery, you moved to Beverly Hills eight years ago, you said? Yeah. Yes. But you've been practicing for 11 uh, or 10? Maybe it was more than eight. So I've been in practice since 2009, right? Okay. So we're in 2000. So it's 11 years, right? Okay. We're at, we're at 11. Well, we're coming. What are we in? I'm losing track of time. Yeah. So we're 11 years, kind of like uh, last month or so. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, so other ways to to pick your surgeon is you go in and have a consultation, right? Mm-hmm. You meet the doctor, right? You you see if they're going to take care of you. They're going to listen to you. Are they going to are they seeing the things the way you're seeing them? Is their evaluation and their their plan in line with yours you know mm-hmm. do you gel with them do you connect right because you might come in and you, you don't connect and now i connect with a lot of my patients but they mm-hmm. but I, you know i'm pretty open and i am flexible and i am you know and i listen but you know some people go and, and i have some people come in and they've been on five or six different consultations right it's a little bit of a that's risk. expensive it's a little bit of a risk factor when someone comes in and yeah. them, I'm like wait well maybe they're either being denied or they're difficult. yes but but let's say like i mean it, it's but it's happened where you know at least see a couple right you don't have to i mean i have a lot of patients come to me for the first time and they're like this is it i know i'm in the right I tell place people do two yeah like do two consultations because you do end up paying for a consultation but when you're spending that much money on a surgery a con- losing a consultation fee should not be that big of an issue so that's why i say your top two go to the consultation to both feel them out you should have already done pretty good research to be able to like narrow it down to at least two yeah I, I, yeah, so so doing a consultation. And nowadays, like, we do a lot of virtual stuff. Like, our follow-up was mm-hmm. virtual, and it works great. I mean, obviously, the surgery is in person. Uh-huh. But um, but you could do a virtual consult nowadays. I do that with plenty of new patients, and, and so you don't have to leave your home. You know? It's not like you have to make this huge effort to come into the hospital, the traffic, and all these things. You can meet, and you can get a good feel and if you're like well if that's good enough then schedule your surgery if you're like okay yeah. like the guy but boy i'd really like the medium in person just to solidify it or you know, make me help me make my decision that's always an option too okay. and as for uh charging for consultations we don't do that right we know we didn't charge you right oh i thought it was because i was gabriel samora yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i really thought i was like oh that's so nice no so oh, okay. you know you know even though you're a celebrity we don't treat anybody any different than if it, so essentially everybody gets treated like they're a celebrity and I'm not okay. saying that just like to, that. to say wow. that, but I, honestly, like you're no different than Joe Schmo walking in the office, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I give everybody 100% if they're in, you know, they walking in that I, I feel like right there, I feel honored that someone's coming in to, to potentially do surgery. This is no. massive. It's change. It's life changing. It's permanent. It's, it's, it's so life changing. It's a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. This is a huge deal. And we can talk about the fear on my end uh, you know, <laughs> of, of just operating on somebody, right? I'm not yeah. fearful anymore, but when I first started, sure, it's very scary. Right? Absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we currently don't charge for consultations. Now, that may evolve, I mean, uh, you know, because of time and just all the effort and all these things. But I haven't done it, and I, and I still have maintained it that way because, I don't know, there's some feel of, like, 
some some people charge five hundred dollars for a consultation. Yeah, right? that I, seems I know to be the them. average. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're oh. friends of mine, right? They do it, and that's fine. But if you go look on their review sites, there's like you'll see a handful of bad reviews. Oh, they charged me five hundred bucks, and they didn't even offer surgery to me, or or you know, there's some negative around it. I don't like that negativity like, oh, associated okay. with the the money and nothing. They get nothing for it, right? Okay. Except for bad news, right? And, yeah. And so if somebody comes in and like. And they've paid for their consultation. Is there is like, oh, well, should we still offer something? Because they've paid, right? You know, they should get something, right? But what if they're not a good candidate? What if, like, we don't connect? Or what if they're... they're their their goals or their expectations are not in line with reality and i gotta tell them no which happens sometimes yeah. right you know and they've paid 500 bucks for me to tell them no mm-hmm. you're you're your your expectations are off right you know um so for me that it in and plus you know it's not that the, the surgery is not cheap right so so they come in like if you're gonna move forward with surgery well then you're gonna wind up paying right and so yeah. so for me although it's time and i'll spend a lot of time with the patient and, and there's some that don't move forward for cost or for whatever reason um you know i, I don't know we just ha- haven't haven't uh, charged for it because i don't feel like although i'm offering my experience and medical opinion which i put a lot of effort into and yeah. that's where that has value in it we, you know we we wind up um you know making obviously some money with the surgery itself and so it comes right yeah. So i don't know i've been i'm busy enough that i don't need to charge for the consultation okay, nice i've i was like oh my god it's because it's me because <laughs> I've, I've paid for doctors and i really do not mind because i understand like i'm paying to have medical expertise yeah, it's, it's time, right you spend a and lot, like you a know. medical brain to be able to like hey like this is what i want like can you do it like i'm picking your brain so i totally understand yeah, there's those. definitely value in that time spent together mm-hmm. i'm not saying there's not value and i'm not dogging surgeons for charging for consultations it's just uh it just hasn't been my style and uh, it, mm-hmm. it's it's working out okay nice and also i feel like just to keep on this topic if we charge for consultations, I'm going to miss out on some people. There's going to be people that are like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't mm-hmm. afford that. Even though they're going to pay 10 grand for their surgery, right? That's mm-hmm. different when they commit to a surgery. It's different than yeah. just committing to a, you know, an if situation, right? Yeah. Like, if they're committing to surgery, they know they're getting it. They're going to get something. They're getting something out of it as opposed to like, uh, you know, I don't know if I could spend that kind of money. So, I feel like I'll miss out on some patients that that would that are great patients that we are going to have a great experience. They're going to have an amazing outcome, but they won't make it through the door because there's a price tag to get through the door. Yeah. Right? And so uh, I don't like eliminating people, you know. And I just I have a, a lot of great patients. I mean, uh, come through and and just you know. So I don't want I don't want to miss out on them. That's a really nice yeah. mentality because my mentality is very like. Well, you know how much money you're spending, so <laughs> like you know the deposit goes into the procedure. So that's always been my mindset of like I'm willing to spend for the consultation because I already know how much money I'm spending for the surgery. I have thought out properly and allocated said money to the side to make sure that this surgery is fully taken care of if there's any complications as well um, because i think people don't always think of that they think oh if the surgery costs ten thousand dollars that's all i need but sometimes some people not everybody but some people might have some complications that might add a couple maybe one to two three thousand dollars onto the side sometimes and people don't always think of that so for me i'm always like going into it of like i know what i'm getting myself into and I like that approach. I really do. I respect that. No, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so when you say lipo is a very common procedure, was that your first procedure that you ever did, plastic surgery-wise? 
Uh, in well, so that's because that's a broad question. You Wait. were a few years in Tampa, in in Florida. Right. You were in Miami. So I went to medical school in Miami. I yes. stayed for for general surgery. So five years. So it's four years of medical school. Mm-hmm. So let's back up. It's it was five years of undergrad, right? So high school, then five years of undergrad. Because people ask me, how long did it take to get to where you're at? It takes forever, right? <laughs> so it's five years for me. It was uh, for undergrad, then four years of medical school, okay. then five years of general surgery training, and then two years of plastic surgery training. So there's seven wow. years of actual hands-on being a doctor taking care of patients uh, under the the leadership of senior surgeons yes um and then after seven years so after the i finished my plastic surgery then you go out and practice right? mm, okay and so during that surgical training you're doing smaller surgeries you're assisting you're doing you're throwing sutures you're doing you know and you're building up to to doing cases uh almost on your own right okay you're not truly on your own until you're out in practice and that's when you're like Oh shit! Right? You yeah. Know, when, when you sign your first surgery up and you're all on your own and you're like, gotta, you got to remember all these things that you, you've been doing, and, and you have to have confidence, and it's hard when you haven't done it on your own, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so what was my first procedure as a plastic surgeon in practice? I can't. As Doctor Yovino, Beverly remember, Hills. Like, there's maybe not, not the first one, but maybe the first. Well, there's de- definitely liposuction came into play very early on. Okay. It's a common procedure. And what I mean by that is almost everybody gets lipo, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like not everybody, but everybody. But right? every- it's a very high. <laughs> it's like if you look at the top five plastic surgery, cosmetic plastic surgery procedures, yeah. liposuction is number one, right? Yes. It battles with breast augmentation according to our stats in our society. But I think that's BS because. I think we had a, like I, an influx in the 90s and early 2000s of yeah. there's big a lot boobs. Of, there's a lot of breast augmentation still going on. But I think uh, for the most part, plastic surgeons are the ones doing breast augmentations, right? You're not going to yes. have an internal medicine doctor or, oh, or, okay. or an anesthesiologist or OBGYN or or radiologist an anesthesiologist can perform a liposuction yeah 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 if you have oh a medical degree you can do it there's not a lot of uh um restrictions restrictions okay on it, right uh it shouldn't be that case but that's that's the way it is okay but the say a breast augmentation for the most part is done by plastic surgeons right it's you need general anesthesia for that and mm-hmm. it's a it's big cuts and there's a lot there's a lot more uh risk for bleeding and it's a it's a riskier surgery right mm-hmm. even though liposuction is not without risk if you're sloppy you can mess people up Absolutely. but um but uh so what well, was i going with this i was uh uh Oh, lipo and oh, first <laughs> procedure, right? First procedure and all that stuff. Well, I'm kind of bouncing all around, but uh, for me, early in my practice, I when I hung my shingle, so I came out of uh, training and I shared space with an old time plastic surgeon. I rented space, hung my shingle, so to speak. Took a uh, got it on uh, privileges at a bunch of hospitals. Took call, so I would get Wait, calls. At this point, you're married with kids. I'm married with kids, yeah, yeah. With two boys. With two boys. Right? Yeah, okay, so I wow. I kind of got it going all at the same time, right? Yes. Uh, I did that. That So I met my... So we'll back up, right? I met yeah. Sarah in medical school. So we, we <gasps> Wow, meet, we meet, okay. Yeah, we meet in medical school, connected, and then got married at the end of medical school at <gasps> the start of... Um, of residency and so she went into anesthesia and then uh, went on to pain management and injectables and all those things Mm -hmm. Um, and I stayed with surgery and then plastic surgery 
so yes, and we had kids during residency, which was uh, challenging. But you know, mm-hmm. anything's possible, right? You know, just, everything, everything's possible. Yeah. Amazing everything's plastic possible, surgeons right? in Beverly Hills yeah. with two amazing boys. Uh, thank you. Like anything is possible. Yeah. So uh, I come out into practice, and one of my I when my practice was set up very close to what's called Wilton Manors. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's no. in Fort Lauderdale. It's okay. a it's a small little town, and it's probably ninety five percent gay men. Okay. Right, it's like it, it's packed right there, mm-hmm. and at the time, You'd be like, "What the, was the name of that?" Let me write that down. Yeah, right, <laughs> Wilton Manors. You're probably going to hear it again. They they do a gay pride thing and all this. Oh, I mean, okay. it's like it's a thing. Uh, and so my practice was right next to it. And at the time, the HIV medications okay. that were given then they like you rode all the fat. Away, well, right? they cause wasting, right? So yes. they cause facial okay. wasting, right? Mm-hmm. And they also cause fat distribution problems so it's common oh, to get okay. a buffalo hump right so you see me posting <gasps> I've all seen these that right? so much right? yes so so that's a whole thing so what i found in my career now is that buffalo humps run all over the place everybody's like, there's yes. so many of them and there's usually no reason for them it's just that fat is set up there and that's it right it's like a it's like a saddlebag or a love handle or whatever mm-hmm. it's just in the bad place so but the hiv medications at the time one side effect was the wasting in the face and fat distribution in the buffalo hump, right? And so came in looking good, all in shape, you know, and they're like, what the hell is this up here, right? They can't wear, yeah. you know, the, the. and so I had them, it's a guy walks into my office and he's like, can you get rid of this? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, it's, it's a fat pad. I can feel it like, you know, with a liposuction technique through one incision. Uh, and so I did that one very early on my in my career, and and, this, and that wasn't my first case, but that was early one one of the earlier cases. And I posted it on my website, great before and afters, and and the, and that has carried me quite a long ways because if you wow. see now, right, I do a lot of buffalo hunts. Yeah. It's a huge thing, and you do them well, and patients are just love you. It's a it's a very satisfying yeah. result. But you know that there's it's not that it's an easy procedure. It takes it takes finesse and it takes. A, a special technique with it and i've definitely evolved over the years and got better with it um but you you start slow it's a small zone right it's mm-hmm. usually like a, i think it was like a little pancake right you know it's, it's a small it's not like 360 it's a whole different story now and all the way around and movements that's different but um you know those are kind of my earlier cases more simple it's not simple but just smaller zones right okay. and, and and i started doing them in the awake setting right and so yeah. you know we can talk about all the awake arena because it makes our practice also very unique uh but you know liposuction was was early in the game for me and so mm-hmm. um and then i just evolved with it period okay <laughs> so i'm narcissistic and i want to talk about me now okay so you did my me, liposuction me, 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 procedure me, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> this is gabriel zamora's podcast yeah. and we're going to talk about gabriel zamora um so you did my procedure and i got liposuction you guys a month ago this is now my second procedure my first one i did go under and we did a transfer i and you tell me as an expert I personally believe it went away because I lost so much weight after that first procedure, not understanding the the practices of a BBL. Um, and I remember at one point, my best friend telling me, why are you so skinny? Mm. And I was skinny. Like, I don't even, like, I've looked at, like, photos of that point, And then I go back to, like, when I had, like, the quote unquote BBL. And my butt definitely got smaller. Does that fat go away? So it depends on the timeline when you're talking about it, right? It so was about it, a year and a half. After. Yes. So 
let's back up, right? You do the procedure, the mm-hmm. fat gets taken from one place, moved into a new place, which is the butt in this mm-hmm. conversation. And initially about what I tell all my patients, about 50% of it survives okay. with my technique, right? And okay. in general, it's kind of a global number of most surgeons probably technique in, in general, right? So, mm-hmm. so you're going to put it in, you're going to put it all in an area and then initially the butt looks big or yeah. full, right? And then it's going to go down, right? And it's going to go down for a couple of reasons. One, the swelling goes, is going to yes. go away. The fat cells uh, are, some are going to break apart and absorb, right? And that's, you're going to lose some of them. And that's about 50%. So what I find is somewhere between four and eight weeks is when the, the area that's received fat has stabilized. Like that's kind of oh, like okay. your end result, so to speak. That means the fat that's taken and alive is gonna is staying there and okay. it should stay there forever okay, oh, okay. now uh, because it's living tissue it's like are you gonna lose your love handle is it gonna die no it's gonna is there forever right it's, uh-huh. it's real tissue it's alive it's staying there it grows with you yeah, and it's got like it's, shrinks it's got oh. its own blood supply it connects it's living tissue right it's living so just like you it's living it's not just like it's just gonna die off one day now it can age you can age uh-huh. just like our face changes and all these things change because we are losing some volume with with age and gaining it in other mm-hmm. places kind of so once it gets incorporated which is somewhere between four and, and eight weeks like stability there mm-hmm. it can change with weight loss and weight gain it is a fat cell right so if you gain weight in wow. general you get bigger right you store fat yeah. it's not that the fat cells are dividing and you're making more cells okay it's just getting bigger right stretching right? Oh. So that's why people that get really fat and then mm-hmm lose a ton of weight like it stretches out all the yes. tissue okay and it's like it's like saggy cells right mm-hmm. you see it as a global effect and it's a whole body but they're saggy cells that have lost their integrity it's like stretching a rubber band out and hoping that it's gonna and then and then trying go to go back and then, to and the then original gonna, state yeah, you okay fractured, you fractured it right you know so wow. it's it's weaker so you'll you'll in general you'll always have more tissue in that area than you would have ever had but if you lose mm-hmm. weight it will get smaller if mm-hmm. you gain weight, it'll get bigger. So I with the previous, like with yeah. the cells that were transferred, right? So, oh, so okay, so, I didn't know that. Okay, so I thought you could like lose it permanently. No, in a sense. No. Okay, um, it, you know, I mean, in an extreme scenario, if you got like emaciated and you were like super Absolutely. sick, <laughs> and, and may, maybe you'll kill off some tissue, but okay. just normal fluctuations in in, in size. In theory, you should not be losing any of that tissue. You, okay. it, it'll just get bigger and smaller. So if you've gained some weight back, right? You know, yeah, so right? I basically so, had a BBL. I, I thought that because I lost the weight, that when I gained weight after that, it was very just organic, and the fat that was transferred is gone forever. So I did have a BBL, now that I know. <laughs> it definitely your, is fat. Your, right, no, because butt. it grew substantially faster than before. Um, so I just assumed I was like, oh, it's just I'm just I just got a new technique that does amazing work. But I, it's probably the no, fat cells have, that were right. transferred. Yeah, you have more fat cells there than you ever had before. Yes. And so when you go gain weight, they're going to store fat and it will get bigger. And so mm-hmm. it, so uh, I mean, I've had patients some, you know, we do the procedure and then they go gain a bunch of weight like. You know, I've been doing this for years, so I see them years later, and then all of a sudden, their butts are like it can be sometimes get too big for them because they uh, put on 30, 40 pounds, mm-hmm. right? And they got to store it somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. In general, I find my patients maintain themselves pretty well. There's some fluctuations, yeah. but but it can get bigger with weight gain and it can get smaller with weight loss. But okay. you'll, but 
at that skinnier you, if you've had a fat transfer, you will still have more volume in there than you would have mm-hmm. ever had. It's not as dramatic because yeah. everything's shrunk down, but you have the the storage capacity is there. You okay. just got to feed it. Right? Oh, okay. So for our procedure, the reason why I wanted to go to you was because you specialize... I feel, and you've created your own technique in the awake lipo. And I remember I had seen this years ago, even on your website, like on your page, I think um, a designer had posted that like, he was like awake as you're doing his lipo. And he's like, just kind of like Instagram storying it up. And I'm like, I was, I remember when I first saw that, I was shocked because I'm almost like, what? I thought you had to be fully put under. I thought it was like this whole, like what? I remember I was shocked. And I, after my first one, I never thought I needed it again until like later on. I was like, yo, I'm like wanting to gain more weight, but unfortunately I'm gaining it in my love handle area. And I don't like that there. Um, and kind of like the waste in my first procedure, I will say I take full responsibility in telling the, not telling the doctor enough about my waist because (laughs) he had done my friend's. And it was just like a really little waist. And I was like, I don't know if I want that. And he had asked me, he's like, oh, do you want me to do your waist? And I'm like, no, it's fine. Because I've never never cared to have a super tiny little waist. Um, Like before, I was like, oh, no, like, I don't don't care. Like, just don't touch my waist. Like, let me be still masculine. I, I like the triangle shape everybody's achieving their own shape and their own interpretation of beauty um and for me it was a triangle like i want broad shoulders and kind of like a smaller waist hip ratio to my shoulders so when i was doing my research with you i was like okay i like that i do not have to go under because i always tell people and you can tell me your expert opinion on this is anesthesia is such like a like it's already risky in it of itself um, that's what adds some risk to surgery, but also the recovery from anesthesia is a process in and of itself on top of the recovery from surgery. And I remember waking up from anesthesia and it is one of the scariest feelings. You feel like you're in Antarctica. You have no idea where you are for the first like 30 seconds to a minute. You're like, where the fuck? Like I, I knew I had surgery, but I was like, why am I? violently shaking yeah like vulnerable yes i was like oh my like you really do feel you're subject to everybody around you and you can't do anything about it. yes and with you i just like and i tell my friends this i've told all my friends this are like did it hurt and that's the number one question i get that's do you get that number one question does it hurt Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, a lot of people do a lot of research and, and, and see there's a lot of videos out there and there's a lot of, you can see people getting it done and you can read reviews about it being, you know, and so they come in knowing that it's, you know, I always tell them it's not a torture session. If it was like yeah. that, I wouldn't do it that way because it'd be very difficult for me to personally just to have to deal with that. Yeah. Right? So I think they hear awake. So they assume they can feel everything and they're connected to all their senses and that's not always the case no yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it's awake and i've always kind of searched for a better term for it because it it, it, you know when i when i post things about awake right i do yeah because i was asleep yeah right yeah so yeah exactly so you're you're not you're not under general anesthesia you're not unconscious right Mm so there's a a lot to talk about this uh you know why i like to do it and and how it all all goes about but um it's comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and so I have patients that come in that want to be out, 
right? But not under general anesthesia. Right? Yeah. They, they want to like, I don't want to feel anything. I said, well, that's impossible. You're going to feel stuff because yeah. you're not unconscious, but it's going to be tolerable. And I make yeah. it very numb and I thoroughly numb everything very gently and completely. And it takes a lot of patience to do that and it takes time to do yeah. that. And most surgeons don't want to spend that kind of time, right? And there's a lot of interacting with you and interacting with the patient and talking them through it. You know, one of my, one of the, an old timer plastic surgeon I, I worked with used to say in these awake settings, it's half vocal, half local, right? Oh, so okay. it's local anesthesia, right? You got to numb the patient and you got to numb them very thoroughly. And that is an art in itself. And yeah. You've also got to talk to the patients in the right manner, mm -hmm. right? So I talk you through it, right? I, I tell you what's happening. We have conversations. I let you know what's coming. You know, the, there's the, there's a distraction with the conversation. And mm -hmm. the conversation's real. We're getting to know each other. And I'm just, I'm explaining to you exactly what's going on, but doing it in a calm and not not shocking language and all mm -hmm. these things, right? You know, like. It's like almost distracting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I and actually I see that a lot with the Dr. Pimple Popper. Okay. Yeah. And she says that she's like, I like to distract them with conversation because it really just gets your mind off of what's going on currently. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I think about it as like, uh, when you stub your toe, right. And you, and you, and what do you do? You go down and you you rub your toe, right. And yeah. you, it makes it go away. Right. Cause, and, and is it making it actually go away? No, it's distracting you. Yes. Right. You're distracting it with other sensations. And mm -hmm. so the same thing happens with audio, right. And, and, and you're distracting the mind with, with giving them a new sensory load. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so, you make it comfortable in that setting. So I, I like to talk to my patients. This kind of goes back into why I went into medicine. I like people and I like getting knowing them and listening to them. And so it fits well in that scene because I interact with them a lot. Some patients do it completely sober, right? I had a, a consultation yesterday or today, yesterday. Um, we're going to do 360. We're going to do fat transfer to the breast and she doesn't want any anesthesia. So no, no. Or, and so we give oral sedation into the patients, right? Just yeah, like you I had it, have uh -huh. a little Xanax, a little Vicodin, you have the option for laughing gas. It gives you a nice little head change and you can yes. check out, but you're still breathing on your own. You're still able to follow my commands. You may not remember most of it, but you I can... remember you you waking me up at one point to be like, hey, can you flip to your other side? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And I woke up and then I like flipped. Yeah. And then I just remember like, hey, can you flip onto your stomach? Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's like, I, hey, yeah. wake up, we're done. And I was like, what? Yeah. We're not done. It's beautiful. I love that. Oh. So so that let's talk about that for a minute, right? In general, oh. in the general anesthesia setting getting liposuction you're on your back and you're out right you got the breathing tube uh, in you're completely unconscious sometimes even paralyzed right you know and and it's all temporary though mm -hmm. right? um but when it comes to repositioning right and if you're sculpting something 360 degrees around like if you get a buck of clay right and if you can only work at it from one side you're gonna struggle on on seeing it completely and really sculpting the other side right if you got to mm. reach around or you got to reach back right and so that's how a lot of surgeons do it because when they're under general anesthesia it's hard to turn them right you got yeah. they can't turn themselves you got to pick them up you got to reposition them you got to stabilize them so they stay in that position so usually it's just on their back and on their stomach there's two yeah. positions not on the sides now some surgeons still do it in general and put them on their sides which is good because and use every position 
But if you're awake, or at least awake enough to reposition yourself with my guidance, we can easily get you into that position without you hurting any extremity, right? Mm -hmm. You know, without your arm flopping above your head because you're unconscious, and and all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, why does my shoulder hurt so bad? It didn't even work there. It's because your arm fell off the table, right? You know, when you were moving, or you were laying on it wrong, and you couldn't position yourself. You couldn't say, hey, you know what? I'm a little uncomfortable in this. Can I just shift my hips a little, or shift my arm? Wow, okay. That is all in the awake arena right like you get on your side and you're in i if you will you won't recall but i'm like are you comfortable i always ask my patient are you comfortable once you get in that position and sometimes they're like oh yeah i'm good yeah boom we're great and sometimes they're like you know what can i shift my i need to move my leg a little i just need to move my hip no problem right and that also adds to the recovery right so if you're Uh comfortable throughout that whole procedure and they haven't had pressure points really bugging you or like you know the recovery is going to be easier there's multiple multiple reasons for an easier recovery with the way we do it but that's just one little Mm -hmm. small you know snapshot like i remember that memory so specifically it was like i was given the pills in the room and it's like okay you're gonna wait here for 10 minutes i was like okay i was just like waiting there and i just i could feel it at the very end right before the nurse had come in to like get me Mm -hmm. and i was like i just like at first, I was like, I mean, I don't feel nothing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's you can fine. you can feel the head change, right? Yeah. Yes, go, and then yeah. I was like, whoa! I was like, okay. All and I then could, you walk down the hallway. And you're yes, like, and I was like, going okay. On and then yeah. took me into the room, and I was like, and I looked around, and I just remember saying, like, okay, this is a real room, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just like some random room. I was like, okay, and I was like, okay, lay down on your side, and I just remember laying on my side, and I was like, okay, get your hand over, and I don't know if you know this, but from that position. When I was looking out the window, I don't see nothing but a tree. <laughs> There's just this one little tree. And it's just like this, like, it's just like a beautiful, just blue canvas. I know, that, that, it's that just view the is sky. Yeah. And then just like a tree. I don't know where that tree is coming from, to be quite honest. But I just remember like, oh, look, a tree. And I just remember local anesthesia going into effect, like the shots. Mm-hmm. I want to say I felt them. It wasn't painful, but I could just feel the prick, yeah. if you, that makes would sense. Would you call me? Would you call me? <laughs> <laughs> I could feel it. And I, I want to say I felt four, and then I was out. Yeah. Like, I was fully out. And, like, I think y'all asked me for music to, so that we could, like, listen to it. Like, we if played, I wanted yeah, to. we played your playlist. Yes. Yeah, 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 and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, play my playlist. Yeah. I will play this on Spotify. I passed out, and it was, like, one of the best, like, experiences, because I literally fell asleep and I had lipo. I, I know, right? So, I mean, it really is a beautiful experience. Now, do I get a challenging patient once in a while? Yes, right? Some, some, but I always get through it. Right? I've done it thousands of times, and there's not anybody I, I can't. There's nobody I can can't do really, mm-hmm. unless they don't let me. Right? They okay. don't come through the door. But usually, people that are coming through my door know it's an awake arena, and they they know what they're coming in for. Right? So even mm-hmm. if they have a hard time with with some pain in general, or they're sensitive patients, they know it's a mental game. Right? You know, if you. No. you you set your mind to it you can get through it and i'm gonna make it the easiest possible right Mm -hmm. um but yeah it you know i every aspect of of the experience from how i clean you how i drape you how i touch you how i put my hands on patients in certain areas is a comforting move and i've learned from years of doing this what works what's better you know like when i'm numbing i use a lot of numbing medication it gets a little wet right and yeah. i tell patients you know hey and, and you don't remember but hey you're gonna feel a little stuff drip on you it's yeah. not you bleeding 
it's the numbing medication. And that yeah. puts your mind at ease. Because if I don't say that, and I've learned in the past, that <laughs> they feel something dripping on them. They're like, oh my God, am I bleeding? And right? it's like a like a yeah. reddish tone, of course, well, yeah, naturally. So, well, can't, well, it's not that you can see it. You're not seeing it, but okay. you feel something drip down. You know I'm doing something on you. You're having surgery. Oh my God, am I bleeding? Right? So, uh, I, so I, I, okay. I, I nipped that in the bud early, right? And okay. I say, this is, you're not bleeding. There's actually very, very little blood on this procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're feeling is the numbing medication. I use a lot of it, so you're going to be really numb. And those, and that is true. Mm-hmm. And but it also was calming, right? You know, yeah. oh my god, he's, he knows, he knows, right? You know, yeah. and I've cut it off before you've gone there in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, the way I numb, and when I we do use a needle to place the numbing medication, um, in some patients, like oh my god, I don't like needles. I'm like, well, you don't have to even see it. You're not even going to see it, and you're yeah. barely even going to feel it because I'm going to grab you and I'm going to shake you. While, yes, while, I remember that. Yeah. Yes, okay. I'm going to shake you while I'm putting it in at the same time, and it's very distracting. And a lot of times, patients. And this is where the joke is, where they go, are you inside me yet? <laughs> and, and I am, right? But they don't yeah. know it, right? Because okay. cause I've shaken them and placed the needle at the same time. Skin gets numb. And then that's the only time really I use a needle. All the other instrumentations are are uh, blunt and tapered, right? So there's uh-huh. no cutting involved with the liposuction uh, approach. And so everything is slides around. And I'm really good about sliding it. Okay. Uh, it's funny. That's the other <laughs> joke, right? <laughs> but... Um, uh, and so I, and, and the way I numb, the way I lay down numbing throughout the fat, I do it in layers. So it's, you know, I always think of it as like a stick of butter, right? If you're going to yeah. numb a stick of butter with something like this big, right? It's not just one placement that numbs everything all at once, right? You have to layer it down. Okay. And so I really spend a lot of time visualizing where I'm at because this is a fairly blind procedure, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning I can't see where I, I can't see the inside right yeah. i can imagine where i am and i can use my other hand to kind of feel and get an idea but but you have to really imagine where you're at you have to visualize it so throughout the whole procedure i'm imagining i see the cannula without seeing it right? okay and, and i really know my depth very well and know when i'm deep and I'm in the middle and in the surface and i switch cannulas and i use all small cannulas i don't use just one big whopping cannula which is oh, okay. what most surgeons do yeah they're all very small and they're all with different hole arrangements and so I work in different layers and I keep switching them up, but you're not, you don't realize that, but I pause and sometimes I tell you, Hey, I'm going over what, you know, cause sometimes patients are like, well, why aren't you doing anything on me right now? And it's because I'm at the table switching my instrument and using a different cannula as opposed to just staying there with one cannula the whole time. And, and yeah, I'm down. I'm down for a refill. (laughs) Refill. (laughs) Um, So I switch cannulas out, but I use small cannulas uh, for the numbing part and for the sculpting part. Okay. So for me, we did nine, no, three, three. Like yeah, nine incisions. open incisions, incisions right? Incisions, yeah. So what do you call, I guess, my procedure? Because the way I explain it is I got liposuction in my love handles, lower back. We kind of went up. We definitely went into my waist a little bit on the front, but not so much the very middle of the stomach. Right. But we kind of went on the sides of it. So we we just, in, in the practice, we call it waist hips. But it, okay. So what we're working essentially is from the edge of your six-pack, right? So on yes. the front okay. of your abdomen. So we didn't do it right directly in the front. We mm-hmm. stayed away from that. You didn't need it there. That wasn't the main focus for you. Mm-hmm. And we did it from the edge of your six-pack all the way around to the midline of your back. Right. Oh, okay. And the same thing on the other side. So mm-hmm. the only place that really wasn't touched is right over your six pack. 
Okay. okay. So if we touch so, the six pack, is that a 360? That would be 360. Okay. Right? That'd be all the way around, right? Okay. Uh, and 360, we just use because it's easy to say, right? Everybody's yeah. 360, sure. Everybody knows that's all the way around, right? But, yeah. So this is almost a 360, like a 280, okay. right? A 280 or something, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> So uh, we so, so what's included in that, that area we just described? So it would be the flanks, okay. right? These are your flanks, the sides, right? Mm. The waist, the love handles, the lower back, the mid back, and all also kind of into the upper back right? oh, okay so or if it was a, if you're a girl we'd say bra rolls right you know mm-hmm. up in the up in the bra roll so i come up very high on the back oh, okay right so if you notice like i come here. up high yeah. and kind of blend it through there uh and then come all the way down and hug the top part of your buttock so we're not taking away from your butt we're essentially at the level kind of at the dimples right? yeah. the two dimples in the back is kind of like the upper limit of the buttock and so i come all the way down there and i also get i get in between the dimples uh, right above the butt crack which mm-hmm. is like kind of what we call the sacral area or tailbone and and work that area as well because that helps blend the whole the whole back thank you dr sarah yovino with the drinks yeah sure i'll take a little water Uh, sparkling downstairs yeah thanks i'm a sparkling water kind Mm, of guy i hate sparkling water i hate it you know what you know i drink it actually i never drank it at all um until i stopped drinking alcohol mm, okay. so so for me alcohol just wasn't working i felt like shit and i uh you know as i make better decisions of not, i'm not drinking i got a better yeah. relationship um mm-hmm. and so i like the though i like the business in my mouth right you know like uh, having mm-hmm. something like kind of going on right it's you a know, habit like, it's a habit point. right yeah just yeah. something about that sensation and it's just i just like it right so then i, I said you know what because uh, i would go out and people are like why aren't you drinking so i get a mixed drink like i would get a sparkling like a soda yeah it's a splash of cranberry and it looks like i'm drinking a vodka something oh, yeah. right you know and then they, people leave me alone right like, <laughs> they, they think you're drinking right because yeah. i'm still having a good time you know i got all the energy um and so then i just went you know what let me just start drinking sparkling water and it keeps me busy it's yeah. it's better than just having a glass of water and mm-hmm. it's better than getting a coke which i like cokes and yeah. Pepsi's and mountain dews and all that stuff but they come with a ton of calories and i still drink them but like it's better than you know having five glasses of coke right? i can drink mm-hmm. five glasses of sparkling water and put a little jazz in it with some just flavor or something it mm-hmm. just keeps me busy that's all okay so now i just drink it all the time <laughs> now it's a habit now it's, it's a, a habit. habit it's become a habit yeah it right? is it's a good habit so you know you have to be slave to good habits yes right? Have good vices. Oh, yep. Thank you. Thanks. Dr. Sarah Yovino for in clutch. <laughs> so, you know, the awake arena. So the the liposuction uh, part, we call it precision scope. So we've branded it and, it and it's not just to give it a name, but it's really because it's very unique the way we do it. Yes. And it, 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 nobody does it like we do it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. obviously some good, there's people that do good liposuction out there, but, you know, when I have docs come visit me, and we've kind of stopped doing that so they don't steal all my tricks, but, <laughs> Right? <laughs> but I, I had a, I was having docs come visit me quite often, and, you know, they would say, man, this is a totally different procedure than what than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And it is. I mean, the, the, the way of numbing, the positioning, uh, the different types of cannulas, the way I sculpt, the way I do liposuction is different than the way I was trained, where there was just kind of a, a grid pattern and sweeping through in a, in a very, like, close pattern. Now, now I, 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 it's just a very unique way of sculpting, and it's a way to keep things super smooth. And I find, like liposuction you know when it goes bad it's because it's irregular right yeah it's lumpy uh it, it's you know there's areas that have been taken more than other areas and and when that happens you can't go back it's like you can't it's very hard to fix that stuff so you got to get it right the first time 
Mm-hmm. And, and to get it right the first time, you know, you have to take your time and you have to take the fat very slowly and very evenly. And you gotta, you gotta not get yourself in a hole somewhere, like dig out too much in one spot and then try to catch up, right? You mm-hmm. gotta take it down all uniform together. And to do that, you gotta bounce around and you gotta move. And if you, you probably don't recall, but I'm back and forth on the table with you. Like when you're getting your procedure, I'm on one side mm-hmm. and then I work that from there. I go to the other side. I then go to the top. I go down to the foot and I'm all around circling around the table using mm-hmm. all the access points and not just staying in one spot okay. so if you see somebody with the liposuction just do one incision right especially I and mean, we use one incision for the the buffalo hump area but that's a little different yeah all pretty much everywhere else i use multiple counter incisions to come at it from as many directions as i can because that will give you the most power in sculpting it uniformly mm-hmm. and, and a lot of docs don't do that they'll just kind of you know use one or two incisions from one side like and, and i love the multiple incisions because my first one was technically two um it was no like a few but i feel like the injecting the fat into the butt those kind of incisions yeah so that's a whole they went away really quickly yeah um but i felt like the lipo ones were very just the butt crack and if two in the belly button but those healed like yeah impeccably but i I was even kind of like, well, all my friends have said that, like, they get multiple incision yeah, points. You need multiple access yeah. points to get to everywhere. And it's not about making a ton of them. You just got to strategically place them. And I try to hide them in spots. I don't try to put them, uh, like, uh, right on the back or right on the, the front. The armpit one is seamless. Yeah, right. That so one I, is seamless. It's, I've really worked out positions of them. You know, it's not a scarless procedure, but you you you, you really try to put them in the right places. You can hide them quite yes. well. Or at least they're, they're acceptable as opposed to just being kind of front and center yeah they're just like honestly like little moles and you guys listening to this if you do want to get it just make sure you use vitamin c it has been helping me so much it's an antioxidant so it helps with um discoloration especially with me with any type of scarring whether it be a pimple or whether it be a surgery i just scar naturally darker um and vitamin C just helps me just lighten up those scars and, so quickly. And is it's a topical vitamin C? Like yeah. a, you know, is it? It's just like a serum. Um, I was using one from Mario Badescu. It's excessively expensive. I think it's like $45. So I ended up buying some from The Ordinary. Just as good. I think I got two for $30. Yeah, so it was, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, or maybe I, even less. I, I found... So typically the for scar treatment, the tried and true topical is something with a silicone based uh component okay so that's really what's been shown scientifically and looked at in in in, in, you know from rats to humans to everybody and that's one that showed that flattens and lightens the scar to some extent Mm -hmm. now nothing nothing's a miracle right yeah there's not like one because flattening and like raising i have never had an issue with that right so so that's good and uh some people some people do so uh, we carry what's called silogen in the office and and that is a really nice uh uh, application but in general i find Mm -hmm. you got to put something on it right so i'm not uh, i'm not opposed to you putting vitamin c if it works for you awesome then, mm-hmm. then do it you, you got to put something right yeah. you got to hydrate it you're you're giving it attention you're putting you're massaging it a little bit i think all those things yeah. play into it so some people use vitamin e some people use coconut butter some mm-hmm. people use the silicon so you know and and i think it all kind of works right? yeah and the, and um and maybe the maybe the silicone based ones are a little more effective but you know it's it's uh, it's not 
is not so different that you, you necessarily have to go with that. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know what to use, and so we err on that. But if you know if you know your body and you've worked with something, you use that. Mm-hmm. And especially if you don't, you know, you know what you're not going to react to, right? I mean, okay. like, you get something crazy out there, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have an allergic reaction to okay. it. You're like, oh my god, why, why am I using that? If if vitamin C's worked for you, you know your body loves it, then yeah. use it, right? You know, I'm game for it. Put something on it. That's Put something it. on it. Make That's sure you there. take care of it. Make sure you're <laughs> cleaning it out. I had only one that I myself was not being the most attentive with. And I felt like it was just, like you said, like touch it. Make sure you massage it. Make sure you're aware of your body as well. Um, and I just remember I was like, why is this one sore? And I like looked into it more. It was the one on my hip. And yeah. it was like the scab itself was just healing weird. So I ended up just like removing the scab. Yeah, so and then sometimes letting it reheal in a sense, and like it went away. Yeah, like sometimes it fully I'll notice, perfectly. Sometimes you'll get a little little plug, right? A little scab mm-hmm. plug, and it fills that little hole, and it just kind of stays there, and it doesn't allow the cells yes. around it mm-hmm. to move in and seal it and up. Like seal so it, yeah. it's like it's like mm-hmm. just plugging it, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's preventing movement. So yeah, so sometimes patients will come in and they have that there, and I'll take it off. You know, like, what okay. are you doing? I mean, like, trust me, it's gonna make it here. And you take it off, and boom! And all of a sudden, it's sort of sealing mm-hmm. right up. Oh wow. So let's talk about awake stuff uh, in in general. You know, we don't just do the liposuction awake. We've mm-hmm. taken I've taken it to a whole nother level, right? Oh, really? So with breast surgery, right? So you not, can do it's a not, breast. Yeah, so, wow. so I do breast reductions and breast okay. lifts awake in the office, and they are beautiful. And I there's not many surgeons that do it. I, don't, I actually don't know anybody that's close to me or in this area that does really thorough awake breast lifts and breast reductions okay most everybody does them under general anesthesia it's the way we've always been trained and it's just kind of the dogma okay and you have to be really good at numbing to to get through it and so since i've had so much experience with doing liposuction and full body liposuction in really large areas and i've gotten really good at like mastered the the numbing i i've i ventured into breasts and doing more and more and now we and now i don't even really offer it under general i mean i do once in a while if someone says hey, i want to be asleep well that one i'll do asleep because there's only one position needed which they're on their back and i don't have them moving all around but in general we do them all awake and it's a game changer because patients are number one they avoid the general anesthesia like you talked about right so there's a lot of problems with that it's not that it's high risk it's just you feel like crap right yeah. it takes longer to recover and, there, and there's a lot of other things you gotta clear your body's like weirded out by that it's a, i think it's yeah. a, it, there is some immunosuppression with that mm-hmm. right okay so your immune system likely takes a hit with okay. the anesthesia right to what level well it's going to vary from individual some people mm-hmm. love anesthesia some people come in they're like oh, i love anesthesia I, you know no problem put me to sleep right because <laughs> they don't have any problems they wake up they feel great like yeah. it just doesn't affect them a lot of other people feel like crap for a while and maybe they don't feel themselves for days or weeks or uh you know and there's a and then the sore throat and all those things that can come with it right mm-hmm. and and it is a riskier scenario stuff can happen when you're totally out right you're at the mercy of the surgeon and everybody in the room and if anybody makes a mistake you're not aware of it right mm-hmm. in the awake arena right there's a, a, like we're trying not to make any mistakes Number one, because we don't want to, right? Everything yeah. works out better that way. But any, if I was to not thoroughly numb you, or if I was to get too close to your muscle, or too, you know, it it like puncture an organ, right? You can't do that in the awake arena. You could, but it's like you'd have to really want to, right? Yeah. And, and so patients, there's a protective mechanism with them being awake because they'll tell you like, if oh. you're if you're too deep or if you're in the wrong place, right? They, they'll be able to say, oh yeah, that's hurting, right? Okay. You know. 
a lot of times it's because they're not numb enough. Another surgeon's not numb them enough, right? Okay. You know, and then the surgeon say, "Well, you can't do it," and they wake. Well, you got to numb them very thoroughly. But it's a protective scene, right? Because okay. you, you're involved in it. Although you're checked out and you may not remember much, I can't hurt you without you waking up and yeah. telling me this okay. is hurting. I can't handle. But when you're this. under, when you're under, you, you can't, can't say anything. Okay. You're at the mercy, right? So that's when that's when you can get injured, right? Mm-hmm. Not that that happens very often, but it can, right? So if okay. you can eliminate these risks, risks, you know, the better, right? Mm-hmm. Why not? If you can eliminate them and be in a safer scene and therefore have a better outcome, uh, you know, why not? Why not? Why not? Yes. Yeah, right? Why take the risk? Wow. You just got to find the right guy for it, though. Because not many right? people can do it like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then... um that's my procedure, right? What is the most popular procedure that you do? Is it lipo? It's definitely lipo. Really? Yeah, yeah. And awake lipo. Awake lipo, yeah. Really? The only time I do it under general anesthesia is when I combine it with a tummy tuck. Right? So okay. a tummy tuck, which is removal of a ton of skin, tightening muscles, all this stuff you have to do under general anesthesia. You can't do it awake. You just can't numb that deeper tissue. You can't do that extensive amount of reconstruction in the awake arena. Okay. But I commonly and almost always do liposuction of the flanks. All the areas that you had done, I combine that with a tummy tuck. And so that's the only time I do liposuction under general anesthesia. But okay. in general, my practice is more is 90% liposuction really? and and i used to do so let's back up when i first came out in practice i did everything right and yeah. so as a plastic surgeon you're trained in everything from hand surgery to reconstructive surgery to cosmetic surgery to you know uh, uh, all over the body right okay. um and so i came out and did everything right so like i mean even like uh knee replacements right you may not even think about this uh-huh. but you know it's flash forward we're uh, like 40 years from now, right? Like, <laughs> oh, man, I need a knee replacement. Yeah. Right? And so you go and you get your knee replaced by an orthopedic surgeon, right? And okay. They put some hardware in your knee and then uh, they make the incision over the knee and all that stuff and the skin doesn't survive, right? There's an infection or some, some complication okay. happens. These are riskier scenarios. And then the hardware, right, that knee that's been replaced is exposed. And the tissue in the, around your knee, you don't have a lot of excess skin here. Yeah. So now you're like, oh, my God, I need it covered, right? It needs to be closed, right? So you can't just mm-hmm. pull the skin together. It's not enough. It's too tight. So now we move muscles in. We move your calf muscle. We swing it up and layer it over there and oh. put a skin graft on it. Do reconstructive soft tissue coverage right okay so that's plastic surgery that's a part of plastic surgery so i did i did that i did a lot of trauma repair i did hand surgeries i I, I did breast reconstruction i did cosmetic you know so everything right Mm -hmm. the rhinoplasties you know you name it and as you go through your career you start migrating more towards things that you like that you just enjoy doing Mm -hmm. that you get good results right like you know some some are outcomes are better than others right and so you start kind of gravitating towards or at least the way i approach do you start gravitating towards things that you just get the complete satisfaction right uh, you know the great outcomes you like doing it and and for me that that is liposuction is one of those things now we i also do facelifts and neck lifts and breasts and things and i love doing those as well okay. right and we do those all in the awake arena um but you, you can do you start, a facelift awake. Oh yeah, I do those all the time. It's all about numbing, right? You numb them in very thoroughly. You can, you can, as long as an area is numb, you can work on it. That's that's the way I look at it. Right? I've been wanting, like, yeah. I low key want to buy my mom a facelift. Yeah, well, we should. Talk and about I've that thought about it, and I'm like, oh my god, because she's such like, 
how do I say this about my mom? I don't want to say she's a pussy, but like <laughs> when it comes to like even filler, like even Botox, she's so scared of it. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my God, going under is probably like the scariest thing for her. And even me, me, like, because I just, I, I'm, I'm a devil's advocate to every single thing. And I'm always like, what if like the Kanye West thing happens to you, Gabriel, and you buy your mom's surgery and then she dies in that surgery table? Right. So that, you know? there's the risk of general anesthesia. That, yes. That, that plays into it. It's not that it happens all the time. If it did, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be yeah. available, but it can happen and it's obviously catastrophic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you eliminate those. And uh, so I do all, all kinds of like older patients, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had an 80 year old. I mean, if high as, as old as 80, right? As young as 15, mm-hmm. depending on, on, on whatever it is. But, mm-hmm. um, but it really opens you up to wait being, a facelift at 15. No, 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 no. Oh, I was like, surgery. oh my gosh, surgery. <laughs> but no, I've done 360 uh, on an 80 year old, right? The oh, lipo 360, wow. right? Yeah, has a little stubborn fat, wants to look better yeah. in her dresses. Boom. And that was my concern with even like, okay, I want to buy it for my mom, but I need to do it now because there's so many complications with age that factor in. The higher you get, possibility of, of complications? Yes. Okay. And no, right? If oh, you're okay. avoiding the anesthesia, you're eliminating the general anesthesia, mm-hmm. it's going to eliminate a lot of the risks. The lung issues, circulatory mm-hmm. issues, blood clot issues, all those things really go out the window. Because that, because it's like being. It goes higher with age, right? When it comes to anesthesia? Yeah, the risk well, the risk is higher, right? Yes. You know, they have to get medical clearance, they have to get full exam and labs and all these things, the EKGs and chest X-rays, and make wow, sure that everything okay. looks like it's gonna like make you can it, survive, <laughs> right? But there's still no guarantee, right? Wow. You know, so there's a risk profile, right? And you have to weigh the risks. And a mm-hmm. lot of times, you're 80 years old and you want some liposuction. Well, oh, well, they got to do it under general, and there's a risk. And my medical doctor says, you know what, you probably shouldn't do that because you're gonna, you know, then you don't do it, right? But yeah. if you come to me and you're like, no, no, you don't need any of that. We're gonna keep you awake and. It's it's going to be just like if you're talking to me right now, uh, how your health is going to stay the same and we're going to take good care of you and you can be fine, right? Yeah. So it's a game changer. It opens it up to a lot of, a lot of people. Wow. Um, but you were asking, uh, so things that I uh, don't do anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I don't do rhinoplasty anymore. Mm, okay. I, I I liked the anatomy, but I just didn't care for the surgery so much. I don't know. Just it, it, and it, it, not so much the surgery, but number one, it's under general. I can't do it awake, right? Yes. So, so you know, I like awake things now if mm-hmm. I can do it. And that one always really has to be uh, under under general. Some people do it in the awake, but deep sedated state but it's still, there's bleeding and the airway issues a lot of things with it okay there's some inconsistency with it if you've met somebody with a rhinoplasty in general they typically either they love it or a lot of them are like oh they got an issue with it somewhere yes. right you know and, oh and my and god they, i met so many people and they've had a second rhinoplasty mm-hmm. or a third rhinoplasty right and it's not that the, the a lot of times that they just say got a bad surgeon right mm-hmm. because i know a lot of surgeons that do rhinoplasties and they have to there's a lot of secondary stuff and then they get some bad reviews even though they're great surgeons they do good work there's just some inconsistencies with the skin the cartilage and the bone there's too many things going yeah. on here and there's and they all do their own thing and so it could look perfect in the end and then you know, all of a sudden it doesn't look perfect. You're like, yeah. well, what the hell? You know, and so then you got to do it. So I, I don't like that that variability, right? Yeah. I want to, whatever I do, I want to know like, boom, that I'm done. That looks great. It's going to stay that way. And not, okay. and not oh, be subjected okay. to all these variables. Because the nose is what, like a one year after that you get your final result? Yeah, well, so there's a swell, so much there's swelling, swelling, right? There's a lot of swelling. So you got to wait a good year before you kind of get to that like, 
really in point. It's not that you got to wait a year to enjoy it. You know, some patients will, will like it in their first reveal, especially if it's just a hump, right? If you're just yes. taking the okay. hump down, different story. But if you're doing a bunch of tip work, it's a whole different beast, right? Yeah. So, so for me, it, it, to do that surgery and to do any surgery really well, you got to do a lot of it and you got to do it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like any craft, right? Yeah. And so for me, uh, that one, I was like, you know what? I'm doing it once in a while. I'm just going to stop doing that one. Okay. And, and, and I, I don't need it. I'm going to focus on the things that, that, you know, I'm doing a lot of and I want to do more of and really take it to another like level. you've created a specialty on. Yeah, so yeah. it's a specialty within a specialty. And so a lot of yeah. us, that's why you got, you know, you got the nose guy here. You got the breast guy here. You got the lipo guy yes. over here, right? You know, you got the eyebrow guy, right? You yeah, know, the I always tell people that I'm like, pl- all plastic surgeons are, plac- are plastic surgeons. But certain ones specialize on certain things. And they, like perfect that approach to that it's not to say that just because they're great at lipo they're going to be the worst at nose jobs no they're still going to probably do a great job they're a board certified plastic surgeon you know how to do it but like you you're like i've created such an approach with the awake lipo with the different cannulas with the positioning you've created like you've said even from a young age you've always had this artistic approach i feel like there's such an artistic approach to the way that you do lipo that i'm not one to discredit all any other procedure but the way you do lipo is amazing and certain surgeons have those specialties and things and i'm like it's about finding that doctor that's like great at that one surgery that you really want you master a craft yes mastery i mean and as a surgeon you're like not wanting to just master one you wanted to master like a few. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. You know, and in in general, there's there's surgeons that do a lot of stuff and they do a lot of it well. But if you really f- look at their profile, you're going to be like, oh, they're really good at that. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, that, you can just, tell. Such is life, you know? Okay. So, uh, you know, for me, it's I, I've, I've focused on certain things. And, and even with breast surgery, right? I love... Like when I first started doing breasts early in my career, they were like okay, you know, and and like breast lifts, breast okay. reductions, they're challenging. Breast augmentations less challenging. Is it true uh, that they can grow back to normal even if you get a breast reduction? Well, no. So it's okay. just like we talk with the BBL, right? Once okay. you know, once or with any surgery, once you get surgery, it's changed forever. Okay, right? okay. it will never go back to where you started with. Right? Okay. Now, breasts are are, are different entities because they're glandular structures and they can they're hormonally sensitive, yes. and so you get spikes in hormones of pregnancy, right? They really get big, yes. right? And all these things, right? And some breasts have more glandular stuff. Some breasts have more fatty content and there's variability, yeah. right? And so some patients' breasts will get really big when they gain weight, right? And some patients' breasts won't change at all when they gain weight, right? So mm. why is that? It's because the fatty content that's in them, right? Oh, if you got a lot of okay. fat content in it that's going to store fat somewhere, that's where they store it. If they don't have much fat content and they're more glandular uh-huh. stuff, they're not going to change that much with, with weight changes. So, so if you transfer fat to the breasts and you were to gain weight, can your breasts gain Absolutely. weight? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I've had some patients do that. So it's another thing we do very commonly is transfer fat to the breast for breast augmentation in an enhancement. Usually goes up about a half a cup to a full cup size with fat transfer. It's not oh. as powerful as a breast implant. Okay. Okay. Question. But, as somebody who doesn't have breasts, of mm-hmm. course, um, my knowledge of breast implants are they're in a bag. They stay there. Mm-hmm. When you transfer fat, is there a possibility of movement of the fat? No. Oh, so, okay. So 
when you transfer fat, it's placed throughout the breast. It's not placed in just one spot. Oh, just where the implant, implant's okay. all intact. You create yes. a pocket for it. You put it in there. It's usually placed under the muscle. With fat transfer, you're placing it wherever you want, right? So now you can place it more in the cleavage. You can place it more in the top. You can place it in the side, the bottom, or all throughout. and more. Wow. So you have more power in in reshaping certain areas, okay. right? Okay. You have less power in the amount of volume enhancement because okay. you can't because you can't just put an endless amount about it because like five hundred cc's <laughs> survive it doesn't survive yeah. right so you have to respect the tissue and there's only so many places you can put it in, okay. in the breast you can't just put it right in the center of it because it's glandular stuff it won't it won't take it okay um, but I have had patients we do the fat transfer to the breast and then they go put on twenty pounds because they want their breast bigger. Right, and it works. Right, there's, so there's more storage there, and now they gain weight and their breasts get bigger. Right, now they also are getting heavier all throughout mm-hmm. their body. So I never, that's, that's never my recommendation to do lipo of any okay. sort and go gain weight. But some patients know their bodies well, and they go put on a little weight, their breasts get bigger, and they're happier. Right, because now they get more storage there. Same thing happens the other way. Right, so if they do the procedure and they lose a lot of weight, their breasts are going to go down. But they'll still have more volume than they would have had, just like you experienced with the butt. Okay. Right? You still have more at that skinnier. The breasts are still bigger than they would have been. Yeah. They're still small, right? You know, if they got small uh-huh. breasts, but but there's still more tissue in there. What is the most, what are some of the most, quote unquote, hush, hush procedures that aren't per se popularized? Because I feel like the buffalo hump, I personally have seen within the last, honestly, maybe year and a half. Um, I, I'm, I understand my privilege in my, um, metabolism. It keeps me very skinny. I don't gain a lot of weight in other areas other than my like love handle stomach area, which I have now fixed with liposuction. (laughs) But what are some like hush hush procedures that people just don't talk about a lot, but are to you pretty like normal? Man, I don't know. I'm having a hard time answering that one because... You know, I think some patients... I feel like the buckle fat became very popular within the last two years. Yeah, you know, but it's been around for decades. Yes. Right? Yeah, it's been around for a long, long time. I mean, I knew about it when I was training, right? Um, it was a little more frowned upon uh, back in the day because they think like, oh, skeletonizing the face, it makes you age quicker. And I still yes, get that. Yes, I've heard that. Right? And I still okay. get that. And so that, that, that comes down to patient selection, right? Okay. So... We're kind of getting off what you were answering. What you no, were no, asking, no, I like but, this. I but like this. this is still good because buckle fat yeah. is, is popular and it's it's more the rage, so to speak. Even though it's been around for a while, everybody's and, doing it. Now. And, and just to clarify, you know, buckle fat. I always describe. You got to know where it is, right? Because mm-hmm. patients will point to their face and point by their mouth and say, "Oh, I don't like this part. It's too full around my mouth." Kind of. And I say, well, "That's not where the buckle fat is." So, is it here? So it's more. If it, I tell patients when you bite down and you feel your jaw muscles, right, and you feel you feel it clench, you clench your teeth, right, mm-hmm. you feel it jaw muscle and if you slide your finger in front and you feel the edge of that muscle right oh okay right in front of that muscle is where the buckle fat sits almost like near the dimple in a sense that's correct yeah so it's right in front of that that muscle and this is it sits right in this this little spot it's got a mid cheek right in front of the jaw muscle you guys i know this is not a visual podcast but when he's describing it it's very much underneath the line of the nose if you could draw a horizontal nose from 
horizontal line from your nose it seems to be very underneath that line but right where like a dimple would yeah, be it's like right underneath not your close to the mouth yeah right, so right underneath the cheekbone right, the very edge of your eye the outer edge of your eye go down and that's that's the buccal fat ish right. area so when patients come in and they're interested in buccal fat they want to talk about it look is it convex or is it concave there right so uh, do you already have a hollow which is like i have a hollow here right do so, i have a hollow so you have a little one, right? Okay. You, you know, you have a, there's definitely it. Are you wearing makeup? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> better, right? But I also have like um, cheek filler, right? So, so, so those are two, to right? So illusion. those are two things, right? So putting having high, fuller cheekbones can make the the area where the buccal fat look more concave right mm-hmm. and that has an attractive look right you want to be it's like the egg right you know mm-hmm. right and so if the egg gets flipped over and it's too full down in the bottom then that's like age it looks more age yes heavier in the bottom i've, of the face. Al- I've always heard this theory of the pyramid the triangle mm-hmm. the triangle of youth and it's very an upside down triangle is the youth which is here's the top and then it points down to the chin right and the the triangle of age is the opposite like it's very this because these areas tend to like gain a little more weight the 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 nasal labial folds start to sag the mouth the outer corners this and the buccal fat area right so all that that it so the buccal fat sits in the mid face and Mm -hmm. all the other things like the jowls and stuff are sitting in the lower face but sometimes the cheeks are too full right yeah so when i say convex right it's curving outward right there's a bulge outward okay if someone comes in and they're bulging in that area it's a convexity as opposed to concavity then we start entertaining buckle fat because now uh, okay. nobody likes it bulging out right there are a all little chubby cheeks uh, available for buckle fat removal a lot are oh, almost okay. all of them all, almost all of them you know so if there's a fullness in that area excessive fullness then we talk buckle fat if they're coming mm-hmm. in and they already have a cheek hollow there then we're not talking buckle fat because you don't mm. want to hollow them out more right you get yeah. a, if you have a little hollow there uh that's what you want right if what you did want we to call make, the it, hiv thing what did it wasting wasting yeah you don't you don't want to create that on a client because it looks aged you look skeletal you look older right you know and so volume in the face right there's tricky because you want to add volume and you don't do a lot of taking away except for certain areas okay and on certain patients right so you Mm -hmm. have to have it's not an all-in-one like not everybody walks through the doors a buckle fat candidate yes and there can be surgeons who make the mistake and go and do it on on patients that shouldn't really be getting it and then they look skeletonized and then they're like oh you can't do it because it makes them look older well you just picked the wrong patient Uh you did it on the wrong patient right is it true that the buckle fat goes away with age it can get smaller, just okay. like everything else. So there's fat compartments in the face, oh, right? Oh, okay. There's the jowl fat, which is its own little compartment, okay? Oh, okay. They blend in because you have a sheet covering it, which is okay. your skin, right? But if you take your skin off and look at your face, there's compartments of fat, okay? Oh. And so they... So, and there's... And, I thought it was one. Yeah, it's not oh, one. There's wow, compartments, okay. and they're held by tissue, and that tissue is connective tissue. And as it ages, it loosens and it drops those fat compartments. In okay. some areas more than others, and some patients more than others. So okay. some variability there. The buccal fat is yet another fat compartment. It just sits deep in the face. It's deep in the cheek. Although it's everything seems superficial, mm-hmm. but it's it's deep. It's deeper than the jowl. So that's why you see the jowl typically more. It, it has its own defined area, and you can't okay. really see the buckle fat because it sits deep right on the face Does that makes oh, sense okay and when you're looking at somebody's face you're like oh my god you can see their jowl that's a big jowl right you never okay. go oh my god that's a big buckle fat right you, oh you so can't. you see jowl first 
then you see more, buckle because it's more superficial on the face. Oh, right? okay, okay, but okay. The, but the buckle fat, right? So it's that deep compartment. I think everybody thinks that, like, oh, because I have chubby cheeks, it's buckle fat, but it could be the jowl. Well, no, I mean, jowl depending on how big the jowl is. Jowl sits usually mm. lower, but cheeks, cheek fullness is also relative to jaw structure, right? If you got oh, a small, okay. if you got a small jaw, you're typically gonna have a smaller face, right? Yes. Smaller cheeks. You got a bigger jaw, you're gonna have a bigger face, right? Yes. You, if you if you have a bigger what we call maxilla, maxilla, which is the upper part, of the teeth here, right? All, okay. all this, right, goes all the way back. And if you have small cheekbones and a big maxilla, it can make the it can give a little bit more kind of an Asian face. Sometimes they're a little flat in the front here okay because their bony structure is less so mm-hmm. so there's bony component to the whole face right wow. there's fat component there's okay. skin components not as powerful but there's thicker skin and thinner skin right uh-huh. and and you know those are your main main players in in facial fullness okay right so mm-hmm. you know it could be teeth right you also have you know the way your where your teeth sit can also you know if you're angled out a little bit you can be a little more full here so there's some other players in it yeah but in general if you have a, a, a you know, chubby cheeks it's the the only way to really reduce it the only thing available is the buckle fat mm-hmm. right? okay in that mid cheek area Yes. In the lower part, different story because they're more superficial, and that's where liposuction comes into play. Mm-hmm. Right? These superficial compartments. Yeah. You I can mean, get you do a really good job. No, oh, thank you. Not gonna yeah, lie, yeah. if I didn't have a good job myself, <laughs> like I would be going to you. Yeah, so that's a whole, that's another one that I've taken to a whole nother level mm-hmm. uh, because I I really thoroughly approach it. So most doctors just do one incision underneath the chin, one one single incision, okay. and they work in right underneath the chin, and that's why they call it chin lipo, even though it's not chin. It's yes, the neck. we all call it chin it's lipo, chin but lipo. it's that. But it's the neck okay. you're working on to make the chin stand out. Right? Yes. So typically they'll work just right underneath the chin and not address anything on the side or on the jawline or if they are trying yes. to address it they're just trying to address it through here and, and, yes. and through, through the and incision. i've seen it on people it's it's noticeable when only this part was paid attention yeah. to and not the jaw not the neck not those things because yes i think some people unfortunately approach a surgery as what do i look like in a photo And I look at a surgery of, what do I look like in a video? There has to be movement to it. I have to be able to move with it. Because if I can't move with it, I have one pose. And I don't like (laughs) that. Like, I like to be, and like, I've seen some people that just have that, like, quote unquote, turkey little neck area. And just that. And when they turn, there's like this rippling, stretching, like skin effect, because I don't think this entire area was taken into consideration. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I'm going to give you as a client what you think you want so that you can see that visual quote unquote aspect. So where when you look in the mirror and you just look head on, you're like, I love it. Yeah. And it's about that movement. Yeah, I say it all the time, right? And uh-huh. so I always address the whole jawline when I'm doing the neck. When we're doing the okay. chin lipo, that's why I never call If you notice when I post things, I always say chin, neck, and jawline, right? Because it's not just oh, chin lipo, right? It's yeah. not just underneath the chin. It's the whole jawline, and it's actually up into the jowl and along high up on the jawline and low in the neck in the mm-hmm. whole strip. So I always have patients kind of put their chin down and kind of poke out their, their neck mm-hmm. and show me all the double like, chin, no, right? that's not yeah. it. <laughs> so, but I have them do that because it shows like how things pulge out on the side. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna t- and I'm okay. Like, 
I'm going to take care of all that. I'm like, I pointed out, I'm like, you see that? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's why I'm here. And I say, well, we're going to take care of that whole situation, not mm-hmm. just underneath the chin, because that's how we get such great results is because we're addressing everything that needs to be addressed, not just a part of it, mm-hmm. which is what most surgeons do. In that Wait, area. as an expert, is this a thing? <laughs> What do you mean? Is it a is thing? this is it just it, skin? Is this just it skin? looks? It looks so he's grabbing underneath his chin, and I'm gonna go grab him a little bit. So it's mostly skin, right? Okay, so it's very very little there. I mean, I say that pinch is like less than a centimeter. I mean, okay. it's really only a few millimeters, and there's some skin involved in there and some connective tissue. So it's okay. not a lot. Now, if you it, so I have done patients just like you, and I've done, oh, I've done okay. some friends of yours that maybe I know, talking, right? <laughs> that, but they had more than me. Yeah, thank God. No, but I've I, I've had. Well, one of them that is, is, I'm sure you guys are friends. Yeah. Um, very little fat. Very little. But mm-hmm. I, I she know. She barely had any. So, <laughs> so uh, this was a guy, actually. Oh. Uh, yeah, um, who barely had oh, any fat, okay. but had enough that I could make some fine detailed changes. Oh, right? okay. So understanding that the changes, uh, coming in with a good jawline, just like yours. But oh. you're like, you know what? I'd like to, I understand it's not going to be dramatic. And, but I'm like, oh, I want to tighten it up just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I can do that, right? And is that like lipo or is that lipo. like a so it's, it's a li- laser no, type no, no, of no, thing? It's lipo. Oh, this is all okay. a liposuction approach. you got to remove the fat directly to get to get a significant... To get a reshaping oh, of okay. things, you got to remove tissue, right? Or add tissue. Okay. depends on what you're, yes. what you're shooting for. But in the neck and jawline, if I come along the jawline and take out a little bit along the jaw, you can make this look more crisp. And I'm, I'm pointing to the side of my jaw. Mm-hmm. And you can crispen up the jaw jawline so it looks a little more snatched so to speak as people mm, like to say okay. and so although there's not necessarily a double chin now there's just a little more like sharp jawline and so mm-hmm. sometimes i do that and, and i mean it, patients come in i'm like i know i don't have much fat but i just want to have my jawline a little sharper and if i grab him and there's just like like yours i can do yours right i'm not okay. saying yours is you know you don't need it right you, know, you don't have to do it but if you're like no no listen i want to i want to take it to like the best i can we can do it and make your jawline a little more sharp Mm. Right? so it's like real fine detailed stuff okay. so, so these are like the hush hush things right yes. we'll get this done and, and, and like already had a nice jawline but now they're like wow you're looking like really really mm-hmm. good like you know i'm not saying they had it done but mm-hmm. there are some out there that yeah, I, I always know. tell my audience <laughs> don't trust anybody in la <laughs> like honestly just don't trust anybody with access to money because once you get access to money, you get access to people who've also had money, and usually they'll tell you their little surgery story, and then you end up getting it done. I've met so many fitness influencers oh, yeah. who have hush hushly told me about what procedures they've had done, but they're not public about it. So I'm always like, you know what, you guys, just if you see it online, don't think that that's normal, quote unquote, because even my face now. It's, I mean, my entire body now is not the body that was Gabriel Zamora like six years ago, like seven years ago when I first moved to LA. There's been so many bo- modifications. I've just been very public about it. But I feel like a lot of my modifications are very, maybe with the exception of the lips, are very like un- almost unclockable. Because even with your liposuction that you did on me, I love that it wasn't vi- like when I look at myself naked. You cannot tell, aside from the little incision marks that I have only right now, because it's I'm literally only a month post-op, I love that I cannot tell that I've had anything done. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, nice. I mean, you want to keep things. It's listen, you follow the contours, you keep things smooth, and you can make a body look really attractive without looking yes. done. Look, yeah, I try not to have anybody carved out. Right? I see yeah. people come in and they. I their- almost wanted. Oh my god! I have this thing where, like, when I went to the room. Right? Like, you had me in the room, and then you took me into the surgery room. I was telling myself, okay, I know you're going to be very high off of this drug. Just remember to tell him, shelf the shit out of your fucking lower (laughs) back. Just shelf the shit out of it. Because I remember when we talked about it, I even brought it up during our consultation. I was like, I don't know. I want, like, the shelfness of it all. But, like, the way you design the butt, it goes into the back. It doesn't have, like, a plateau. Yeah. It doesn't have just a solid horizontal line. And it almost has, like, a roundness, almost like a teardrop, in a sense, into the butt. Yeah, it needs to be smooth. Yes. Right? You know, and I wanted to tell you, but and I'm so happy I didn't, yeah. was make it a fucking horizontal yeah. line. <laughs> I was like, make it horizontal. I just want, like, a disconnect. And I'm so happy I didn't. Because when I look at myself, I'm like, you cannot tell I've had anything done to this body. Like, other than, like, just a little, like, here yeah, and there. It's good. You got to keep it smooth. Because if you do, the, if you really carve things out, you create a shelf, it doesn't look natural. Right? Yes. It doesn't. Like, you might. And some doctors might, are willing to do it. Listen, That's I, the scary I have, part. I have friends of mine that, that promote it. Right? Yeah. We're going to give you, I see some, you know, post in the line. We're gonna, it's the shelf. We're going to do something like no man they don't like i get it you know some people want dramatic like step offs and like look at my butt and uh, bam but everything is but it but it doesn't look it doesn't look natural at all Mm -hmm. and and in fact it's not good for the skin and if you take the clothes Mm -hmm. off you look at it you're like oh my god it looks like i had surgery there right Mm -hmm. you know like what surgery did you have right now you know it's like and and, you know so you got to keep it natural right if if someone comes to me looking for really unnatural results i don't do them right i don't i don't Mm -hmm. do that because i know it just doesn't have staying power and it doesn't look good and it's it's you know you you can't go back you know i have so many friends that have gone to mexico and trust me when i tell you i thought about it Oh, I thought about it for my yeah. second one. I was like, oh my God, like, should I just get like a dramatic fucking procedure? Because their backs, the way they just like, just they, they go in. Oh, yeah, I've heard down. the craziness of like, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but what happens to the girls and like the people that go get the lipo in Mexico, they, the next day, I think they're put up against the wall with their hands up and with a wooden roller, they're yeah. rolled and they take all that liquid out. And it's so crazy. And when I look at the results, I love it, but it's such an exaggerated result. It really is. I love it for what it is, but I really thought to myself, I was like, okay, is this a momentary thing or is this a procedure that you will love for decades to come? And I really had to have that conversation for my, with myself. Kind of like, remember like the triple Ds, the super yeah. big boobs on girls who had no body. Yeah, yeah and it's like, bad for the tissue. Yes, you're, the you're, overstretching of it. Like oh, I have yeah. an amazing friend and she's like my go-to surgery, like little black book. And her name is Lily Galici. We've done a podcast on here where I just pick her brain about surgery. She loves to tell me everything. And one of her regrets was I had way too big a of a breast implant when i first got them she's like i went from super small to like a triple d and the way that just like messes with your body it's like some doctors are like yeah i'll do it for you but it's not about what a walk a doctor's just willing to do it's what a doctor believes is right quote unquote for you 
Yeah, you know, we have a lot of experience in, in, in knowing what's right and what's wrong and what's going to, you know, and so you really got to convey that to the patients and you got to guide patients, mm-hmm. right? You know, and it just based on your experience and knowing what they're going to get into, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and if they're really adamant for having really big breasts, you got to talk to them about all the stretching and all the issues that they're going to have down the line and they got to be willing to deal with that, right? If you're if you're going to offer that to them, mm-hmm. they got to they gotta know, right? best thing is not to do it right you know not yeah. to do those things and, and i guess let somebody else make that mistake but you know and and not try to injure the patient you want something to stay right and you mm-hmm. said it like that i always think about long term right all the lipo that i'm doing i want you to enjoy it for the rest of your life not yes. and and to to look good when you know you know 20 30 years from now you're still going to look good and it's going to look smooth and you'll age and there'll be some looseness to you just from age related but things will look nice as yes. opposed to to like oh man you know I, I liked it back then but boy it looks like shit now you know mm-hmm. like i don't want that right you want it to, to enjoy because you can't go back right you can't yeah. go back in time yeah especially like even with like fillers and dermal fillers like everybody was obsessed with the super big lips remember that like yeah. the big big lips and i remember i was like should i and i i'm so happy i didn't i went bigger but i didn't go too big and i'm happy because now i'm like I just say would it make sense now like it's not the current yeah aesthetically it's not the trend pleasing. and yeah. yeah you when you go big you stretch out tissue it's like stretching that rubber band mm-hmm. out again right you know it's a fracturing of tissue you can't get it back to where it used to be like with breasts you go really big and then all of a sudden you're like okay i'm tired of this well what do you need to do you got to have a bunch of scars on your breasts, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have for breast to, to do a breast lift and breast reduction and to remove the skin comes with a ton of scars. Yeah. And now you what block. is it? The anchor? It's the anchor, right. right? So we try to, in general, with me, I try to keep it more of a lollipop and try to. Oh, and, okay. and if there is an anchor component, which I do, it's a modified anchor. So meaning that incision that's underneath the breast, usually it goes from kind of middle of the sternum or the middle of the chest all the way to the side, and that's that lower portion of the anchor. I usually do like. Uh, like an eighth of it or maybe like you know two-fifths or something like that it, so it's short and i modify mm. it so it's just in the center and just underneath and doesn't come into the cleavage because i hate it when the scar drifts into the cleavage mm-hmm. right and so okay. they lift it and all of a sudden you're looking at somebody's cleavage and you can see an edge of a scar right they can't wear yeah. something really low because of that reduction incision has carried over too far in and the that's center. what they want they right. want to wear something low cut yeah right yeah. so so and most surgeons just make that cut very long because that's just the easier way to do it and don't take that little extra step in modifying and making it a shorter incision, mm-hmm. which I do all the time because ultimately it's about really pleasing results, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. You want in, in the scar. I remember going back to like why I kind of went into all this is because everybody wants to talk about the scar, right? Yeah. You know? So in the end, you know, you're all lifted. Everything's lifted up, but you got these massive scars like, you know, from, you know, ear to ear, so to speak. And that's all you see, right? And you can't hide them. So if you try to minimize the scar burden as much as possible, uh, you, you got to do that because ultimately that's that looks the best and that's how the patients are the happiest. Mm-hmm. It just takes a lot of finesse. My next question, and you can refute to answer, you can plead the fifth. Okay. Um, have you had anything done? I have not. Nothing, not filler, I, not anything. I've only had Botox. Really? Yeah, I know. Wait, is right? that your hairline? This is mine. This is me. This is and wait, me. How, what's your age? 47. What? Yeah, I know. You I have know. such a good head of hair. Yeah, I don't know. I lucked out. What? You know, I think it's because I'm happy. Right? It's because I think I've... That's it, what it is. I think... It, it, you know, I, 
it's some components, right? You know, if you mm-hmm. if you look at people that have a good attitude on life and that are happy in life, in general, they look younger. Yeah. If you meet somebody who's kind of angry and grumpy and like, you know, it's kind of a, you know, an asshole, right? They look older, mm-hmm. right? Not all the case, right? And I have plenty of great looking, like great patients, super uh-huh. happy that unfortunately look older than their, their stated age when they come in. But Is it true that it takes more muscles to frown than to smile? I don't know about that. I, <laughs> I remember uh, hearing yeah. that rumor when I was so young and I was like, smile, never frown. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. There's different muscles, right? It's, okay. all, it's all different muscles. Okay. I've never, I never heard that, but uh, there, there may be some more into that. There's mm-hmm. a, more of a psychological. That could have been like just that. middle school people telling me to smile. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've been lucky. I mean, for me, I've had Botox here and there. I mean, it's been a while. Once in a while, I'll get it uh, between my eyebrows because, uh, and I haven't had it for a while now. Do you do it but, or does your wife do it? Oh, my wife does. It, yeah. Period. Shout yeah. out to Dr. Sarah Yovino. Yeah, I love I've met some people who do their own yeah. like injectables. And you can, right? I mean, okay. it's like, but it's uncomfortable, right? Doing it to yourself, and it's challenging to to do to stick a needle in your face and mm-hmm. be kind of focusing on the aesthetic. It's much better if you're removed from that okay. sensory and active active motion of doing it to yourself. So, yes. Uh, and and Dr. Sarah's great, and so uh, you know she'll she'll do it. It's not something that I. <laughs> here in the background yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out to dr sarah yovino yeah so dr sarah does all the fillers and botox injectables skin resurfacing skin care in the office and she's really taking it to a whole nother level so yeah she's my go-to girl um, y'all are like a powerhouse yeah, yeah it's a power couple for sure yeah. for so sure we love working together we actually work very well together and it's it's very enjoyable and so a lot of people are like, how do you work with your spouse yeah like, question how like how is that because i feel like i hear very mixed results of when you work with your spouse it's great because you get to work with your spouse but sometimes it i hear like some people are like well you never technically get like a break quote unquote um i mean when you're in love i doubt you really want a break but what is that like working out their their space and their time and i think Mm -hmm. we're very good about that you know like nobody's like super needy right you know for, Mm -hmm. for unless you need them right you know it's not just like you know hey, every once in a while you're like you want a little attention just because you're human and all yeah but, but i don't know i mean we just get along you know uh we get along and we we i listen i don't like to fight i'm uh, we don't we don't we actually don't fight that much i mean there's little things but in general like it's funny i think back they they wanted us on a on a show right they interviewed us for like married to medicine or something like that one of those shows okay. right and and i'm always very i've been very reluctant on doing any sort of reality shows because i feel like the, i think they're cast yeah, yeah. yeah i feel like it's i just think it's a bad bad idea right mm-hmm. because life is good and we get along and everything's great and i feel like all they're gonna do is try to tear us down and we did the interview and they and so we're chatting and we're it's like and then they quickly got to okay so what do you guys fight about show me like a good argument mm-hmm. and i'm like no uh, you know well no, one thing i've do learned that. We about don't do it. <laughs> um reality tv is very not every reality TV show is like this, but a lot of reality TV shows are like this, where you present 10 issues with 10 solutions to the producer, and they pick what would be great for television. And unfortunately, that isn't real. Yeah. Um, and I think based off of Real Housewives franchises, I feel like the the added pressure of strangers opinions onto one's relationship based off of the representation us to 
what a company has deemed presentable because what you see on bravo is not what these couples have said yes that's a great representation of me and my couple and my partnership um so i think that putting relationships on reality tv is very you have to be like so ridiculously extremely solid because if you don't understand the concept of bitch-ass people on the internet having unnecessary bitch-ass opinions <laughs> it can really create issues and yeah. like unnecessary issues of like of why yeah. is fucking becky from mobile alabama saying why are you doing this and that it like creates so much unnecessary yeah. conversation in a relationship from individuals who aren't even really involved in this relationship yeah, I don't, I don't, there's no reason to invite all that noise. And yes, all that noise. It's just distracting and it, it's, it, you know, it's not pleasant. It, it just, it doesn't make me feel good. And mm-hmm. so why I want to bring any of that in. So I, I've been very reluctant on any reality okay. TV shows. Uh, so, you know, we, we get along really well, right? I mean, we really do. I mean, uh, in, in, we listen to each other and we respect each other and we have confidence in each other. And people ask all the time, like, you know, so, you know, so we've been married since 2002, right? So we're coming up wow, on 20, congratulations. Coming up on 20 years. That's Thank almost you. 20 years. Yeah, I know, oh. right? It's crazy. Um, and you know, people ask, oh, how do you do it? What's the secret? Yeah, right? what is the secret? Yeah, yeah, I get asked that <laughs> a lot. And, and, and there's a lot of answers to it. But I say, you know, we do the dishes together. I, cl- okay. I, I she makes dinner i clean up right you know I, um we do simple mundane tasks together you know take out the garbage together you know it's not it's not like we're we're, we're stuck to each other's we just help each other out with the simple stuff and we have a good time doing it i don't leave like everything up to her and you know certain things all to her and all to me we, we work together we're like in this as a team is it fair to say it's it's a partnership it's a partnership right uh-huh. and you know and you and you have to give and take and you have to you know you have to to not be selfish right mm-hmm. you know and and she, she might argue with me on that sometimes <laughs> selfish, but, but we, we both we both really give in quite a bit right yeah okay. uh, and not just take 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 right okay. and, and do the simple things together you know and mm-hmm. spend time with each other go for a walk together right you know listen to each other and, um and that's it you know i mean have respect for each other that's really good so, advice because i'm single and i always tell people on my podcast i'm like I like being quote unquote selfish right now. And I take not per se pride, but I take enjoyment of it because I understand that a relationship is a partnership and I can no longer just think of just Gabriel. I can't just be like, Oh, what does Gabriel want? What does Gabriel need? Like what show do you like? It's so many layers of a partnership that I'm aware that like, it really takes just that. Like you kind of, yeah, it is yeah. it's two people against this world this fucking this weird world that we're yeah. like all living on and together is very powerful you know mm-hmm. but you have to give up some of yourself to make it happen yes and 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 that may sound tough and it can be sometimes you mm-hmm. want to be selfish we all would but, but i feel like have, it's gross but you have to give up some of yourself mm-hmm. to get more out of it and and when you throw kids on it you're definitely giving up a lot Absolutely. more yourself because you know now you got to give in to them and you got to nurture them and you got to you know do all these things that you may not want to do and you'd rather be goofing off doing something else you know but in the end there's a bigger reward right and you just gotta, okay you know which is the family unit right and, yes. the, and, and the love and 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 it just that that pleasantness of being around each other right and, mm-hmm. and you have to you have to put a lot of effort in that to get it you know into it to get out get all that love out of it 
Wow. Okay. I like that. Wow. Very philosophical with Dr. Yovino. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Relationship advice with Dr. Yovino. because we're in my house and I'm feeling that, you know, <laughs> homie. Um, okay. One question and possibly the last kind of section of it is kind of celebrity surgery. What is one of the most popular kind of celebrity or influencer surgery that you get kind of requested of like, Oh, like I want this. Oh, you mean like showing somebody, right? Um, you know, I don't, you know, so I don't get a lot of like when a patient comes to me with a wish pick, Right, mm-hmm. they come in showing me something, and it doesn't happen very often. It sometimes can be a bit of a red flag because a lot of times they're showing me like special poses, and anybody can pose really good and make themselves mm-hmm. look nice, right? Um, uh, you know, or we don't even know if it's been photoshopped because it kind of looks like it, like the, the face is too. Way, all yeah. these things, right? So, so I'm really, it thankfully it doesn't happen a lot with like body reshaping and if it does sometimes mm-hmm. it puts things in perspective sometimes patients will come in and they'll show me a photo and then they have their own body and i'm like well, you can't have that like you mm-hmm. don't have that underlying yeah. structure you don't have that kind of fat on you and then sometimes it's like i know that they're not a good candidate or they go you know what okay i get it i understand and, we, and they come to a realization and we move forward and it really is a better uh process because we're all more realistic in knowing uh, the outcome yes um i think it's a little different for Dr. Sarah where she does a lot of lips and lips, mm-hmm. lips, you can kind of contour them. There's a lot of different looking lips out there, mm-hmm. little subtleties. And so she will commonly ask her patients to bring in patient uh, pictures of lips that they like. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she'll look at their lips and say, okay, I can make it look a little more like that. Or I know like you like a little more pouty or a little more centrally full, a little more fullness on the outer part or, you know, okay. like that. So, so I think it's really selective or noses, right? Noses, you, you know, you see you know, certain doctors do noses certain ways uh, with a certain sort of outcome. And, and so you might say, you know what? I like that nose. Oh, I don't like the way the doctor like. So it's a, so it depends on the body part, mm-hmm. um, you know, breast augmentation, right? They like these types of breasts, that kind of volume. They bring that in that, that gives you an idea of how much to put in. But for me, who does a lot of body contouring, uh, it really it, their body dictates like yeah. what they can really have, how much fat they have on them, how good their skin is, what's their underlying structure, and and so uh, I don't really have necessarily people coming in and, and you know bringing in photos or saying I want to look like that. I have a lot of patients come in and say, and I'm not dogging Kim Kardashian. I don't know, <laughs> but they a lot of them go, I don't want to have a Kim Kardashian butt. I mean that that, that is probably yeah. one of the more commonly things said when it comes to fat transfer to the butt. Mm. And I say I don't do that, right? I don't make really big butts. I'm not saying she has a big butt. I'm not talking any trash about her. But what I'm do saying you think is, it's that, because they lipoed her thigh. Well, I mean, I, I personally yeah. feel like they lipoed her thigh. Well, I'm sure she's had lipo all over her body, all and, over and the fat sure. transfer and all, all those things. Yeah. And so things have been augmented, and and and, and you know, but they but it's more like. They come in saying, I don't want this look, as opposed mm-hmm. to, I want this look. Oh, okay. In, re- in regards to my procedures, right? Um, so that's what I hear more often is, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to look like Do you like, like that approach? Do you yeah, like people yeah. coming in with some 
candidates that are like i don't want this yeah because okay because it well it 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 confirms what i'm what i'm all about which is more of a natural although augmented and enhanced and it looks better but following the natural contours of the body and making things look natural right And, and and look not carved out or cartoonish or anything like that and so mm-hmm. when they confirm that they don't want a cartoonish type appearance okay. then that is more in line with the way i approach it and okay. i operate so it, it it makes me feel better and that we're all on the same page mm-hmm. who is some of your favorite work that you've seen done per se you know, I think I feel like Jane Fonda kind of popped in my head. In oh, she's you know, amazing. Right? She looks good. You know, and I hope I age like that. Yeah, she looks, with the work that I've had done. <laughs> she looks really good. You know, I mean, I'm yeah. sure she's had a face and neck lift and stuff, but it looks very nice. Like, yes. It's very well done. Right? Um, Christy Brinkley Christy looks Brinkley. amazing. Yeah. Cher. Yeah. So I don't. Like, you know. Wow. I don't. I don't know. Obviously, they're not my patients, and I haven't done their work, and I don't know what they've had done. But obviously, yeah. they look. You know, they've had some work to. to do that. and they got good genes and they take care of themselves i'm sure christy brinkley really takes care of herself mm-hmm. like, well um but yeah the, they they come into mind um you know the 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 body sculpting and breast work and stuff like you know uh, the ones that 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 look good are, you know the ones that are not standing out as like oh my god they had something done right you know those mm-hmm. are the, the ones so and i you don't have any anybody particular in regards to the body kind of stuff you know i take each patient as a whole unique you know entity and not really okay. compare them to anybody else right oh, okay. you know of like i'm gonna try to make you look like this or i'm gonna not try to make you look like this. i'm gonna try to make you look the best version of yourself like okay. you're coming in as a canvas and i'm gonna try to just like paint the most beautiful painting with you and not base it on what somebody else looks like to try to make it look like that Right, you know, okay. so everybody is treated very uniquely, and I follow their contours of their body. Okay, Does that makes sense. So yes. not I don't do that. That's why I think I struggle kind of answering this this question is because I'm not comparing or thinking about some other body type to make it look like that. Right, mm-hmm. I'm trying to make them look the best they can look with what they're working with. Mm, okay right. and that's your approach with every that's client kind of with every client okay you know, with every client it's a, i i've i've learned from my experiences of doing surgeries over the many years and doing learning techniques and how you know a certain waste uh, that's coming in with a certain love handles in here and there where it needs to be contoured the most based mm-hmm. on my experience with other patients but i'm not necessarily trying to make them look like somebody else yes okay right? i'm just knowing how to deal with that shape based on experience to make that person look the best version of what they have underlying. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm trying to bring out their curves, right? They may okay. be hidden by excess fat or, or if they have too small a breast and they, and they need certain volume in certain areas, I'm trying to enhance, you know, what they got available. Mm-hmm. My final question to you is what is your least favorite plastic surgery? Oh, it's the ones I don't do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like which ones? Well, you know, like like I mentioned, like rhinoplasty, like wasn't necessarily a big favorite of mine, so I stay away from that. Uh, so maybe not per se for your practice, but just in general, which surgery do you just not care for? You're like, mm, I'm not I don't a know. Big why. fan of brow lifts. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not totally dogging them. I just, you know, they're it's real tricky. Like when you're pulling the brows up, 
sometimes they can look a little surprised like you mm-hmm. know like you see there's like really pulled um overly pulled facelifts like somebody like they look real nice and tight on their skin but they look windswept because yes. they've been pulled too hard like that it doesn't look good right you know yes. um lip lifts uh, you know they're a little tricky right <gasps> okay. have you seen these where there's an incision yes. underneath the nose right it's right within the contours now there's some guys that do some some great lip lifts but Sometimes they can look like obvious, right? Where mm-hmm. the lip has been pulled up, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of red showing, you know. And and they they're they're I get it, right? The the lip kind of droops with age, and it might be thin. And I know what and with filler, I know what they're trying to achieve, but unfortunately, it's hard sometimes to make that look natural. And the scar Absolutely. can the scar can be a little rough, so I don't I don't offer that surgery. Okay, it's not that. There isn't good candidates out there. There are, but it's super tricky. And I just, uh, you know, like once you've got a scar on the face like that, and if they don't, doesn't look good or looks, you can't go back. It's, I mean, you can, but it's, it's never as good as, as at the beginning. Um, mm, okay. You know, thigh lifts, right? Like the thigh lifts. So the wow. inner thigh okay. incision, right? So from an incision from the groin down to the knee to get rid of all the excess skin. There's a lot. Okay, okay, that makes right? sense. There's a okay, lot of women yeah. out here with 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 loose yes. inner thigh skin. They either they've gained and lost a lot of weight, and they got some sagginess. You know, the real the tried and true approach is to excise all that skin here and pull it nice and tight, and it has mm-hmm. a really good effect on tightening the thigh and all around it and it makes the thigh look nice and lifted but there's a massive scar on the inside of the thigh right and and uh and that you can't go back on that that scar typically this is fairly thick and stands out and you know if you've lost it you say you were 300 pounds and now you're down to 150 pounds and you got a ton of hanging skin off of you well shoot you'll trade a scar for all that hanging skin yes absolutely it's not you know they're like no big deal but it is just a little bit Frankensteinish, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you got the seam running down, you know, mm-hmm. inside. And so, uh, you know, do I do those once in a while? Once in a while, but we have a big conversation with the patient that, you know, listen, the scar is going to be there and it's permanent and it's not going to look the greatest and you got to mm-hmm. be on board with that. And still, even you do those and then they, they're like, oh, I don't like the scar. Well, um, well, we talked about it, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I'm very, you know, those those procedures, like, not that I, I, I like the surgery, but it's just the outcome, the scar burden is a little too much. Okay. And, and you can't erase them, right? Not mm-hmm. yet, right? Come up with an eraser, a scar eraser. You're a then, scar guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Um, you know, so, uh, like I have a brachioplasty coming up. Well, that is an arm lift. That is the same thing, but for the inner part of the arm. So there's okay. an incision here. She has like bat wings, right? Like, okay, uh, yes. Any other way, right? You know, you know, like the big hands, the fl- yes. swinging skin. And, uh, and the only way to get rid of that when it's severe is you got to cut out the skin and it comes with a scar that's on the, that runs from the elbow all the way up to the armpit. And it's a long scar. It's a little more acceptable than, than the inner thigh one, but you have to be on board with that scar, mm-hmm. right? You know, and it's not that anybody likes to look at it, right? And like, Hey, look at me. I love my scar, right? Yeah. You know, unless you tattoo it and you, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, the, those are ones that, uh, that can be very powerful reshaping. But it comes with a significant scar burden. So it kind of yes. takes away from that home run type feel, right? Mm-hmm. Even when it's a home run, you still got to look at a big scar. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So. Period. <laughs> Period. I love this conversation. This was such an interesting conversation. Yeah. It's, like, it's decades of, of doing this over and over and learning and listening to patients. And, you know, it's, it's uh, you know. I live. I, guess that's like, why it's, I, I learned so much. Like I learned so much. Like honestly, thank you. Like it was such like oh, an interesting welcome. conversation to be able to like just knit, like be like, well, what about this? What about this? Yeah. You just even in conversation, I feel like that's what 
make this conversation really fun just as we're talking i'm able to ask you these in moment questions of like well what about this well what about that right, yeah they just kind of pop in your head as you evolve and it's great that we have a relationship prior to this and as, yes. a, as a patient and doctor patient and going through it and it really helps like just give you more foundation for questions and, mm-hmm. and evolving right we're, we're, we're building a relationship yes <laughs> okay so what's next for the yovino practice so you know we've been expanding a bit we've added a surgeon uh to our practice who okay. have trained in our precision sculpt and our sculpting and so that's allowing us to kind of offer more volume of procedures right because okay. i can only do so much surgery right and i spend yes. a lot of time it's usually one surgery per day and then we have a lot of patients who who want us and they, we don't necessarily want them going off to somebody who's not going to do a good job or whatever mm. you know we, we want to take care of them so we've we've added another surgeon we hope to add more with with time so it's, we're, it's still a mom and pop business it's just Sarah and I, Dr. Sarah and I, who run, run it, mostly mm-hmm. mostly her. But, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we've added an esthetician uh, recently. She'll be coming on board, I think, this week. So we'll be able to add some more facials and, and, and okay. a little more, more skin rejuvenation component to our practice. Which, I love that. Which uh, we'll, you know, we add to, we'll be able to address more things uh, uh, that our patients want right instead okay. of going somewhere else they kind of stay within the family because we're able to see them it's great when patients come in and they're they're getting procedure say with the, with dr sarah i come and i know them i pop in say hi or or even mm-hmm. with dr hakimi who's with us uh you know i see their patients yes it's, it's a it's a it's an experience right and so instead of them going somewhere else right mm-hmm. um we are looking at new office space uh to give us a bigger footprint so we have okay. more more room right because we're getting starting to get a little crowded in there uh, okay. it's still cozy but it's starting to get a little crowded so we're, we're in that that'll be hopefully kind of across the street so we're still in beverly hills here okay. you know maybe we'll expand to more locations we've talked about that and you know even out to texas or utah or whatever you know kind of okay. offering our lipo sculpting experience to mm-hmm. a broader amount you know more people mm-hmm. um so kind of growing the business from that standpoint um you know, I mean, other than that, you know, it's it's home life and activities and going skiing and spending time with the family and yes. and, and uh, going to high school football games and, and you know, and, and making Halloween costumes with my son and all those things. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. that. Okay, you guys. So this has been an amazing conversation. If you want to check out Dr. Yovino or d- both Justin and Sarah, you can check them out at idealfaceandbody.com. Correct period um that but on instagram so instagram there's a few things so you right? can find us there's at two you can find us at ideal face and body okay right? yes ideal face and body and the and is and is a and d a and d mm-hmm. and then there's also uh my personal account which is justin yovino md mm-hmm. and then there's dr sarah yovino so it's dr dot sarah with an h mm-hmm. s-a-r-a-h dot yovino um, and then there's also Yovino Beauty, um, which is our skincare line. So yes. that so that is another thing that I should have mentioned as what's growing. We we have some really great products that we put together. It's medical grade skincare, and it, it tackles everything from fine lines to age spots. And there's and we put regimens together for our patients. So it's and nice when they, so in, so scar treatments, all those mm. things, uh, and it's great. Uh, complement to our surgeries and non-surgical stuff and just fillers and Botox and just taking care of the covering, right? You know, you mm-hmm. can have things, you can have a good shape, but if the covering kind of sucks, then, then you know, mm-hmm. right? So you got to, so we have a, a, a big skincare component and we've uh, also partnered with a, with a pharmacy called 10RX that is going to help get 
us more in touch with uh, the public. So from a skincare standpoint. I love that. Wow. Look at y'all growing. I love it. (laughs) And remember, guys, they are in Beverly Hills. If you have any questions, make sure you head over to Ideal Face and Body to either Dr. Justin or Dr. Sarah. If you are looking into surgery, that is completely up to you. I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much to Dr. Justin Yovino for lending his expertise and shout out to Dr. Sarah Yovino for these amazing drinks. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, there might be an episode two one day. Yeah. I feel like that would be a really two, good conversation, like, right? Oh, and there's a lot to talk about. We yes. Have, we've, whole, we've lived a whole life and we have a right? lot more to live. Make sure you guys check them out on Instagram. If you have any other questions, make sure you check me out on at Blunt Talk or at Gabriel Zamora. And until next time. All right. Thank you. Bye, everyone. If you like this episode, make sure you leave a review on whichever platform you're choosing to listen to this podcast. If you would like to follow me on my social platforms, you can follow me on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, at Gabriel Zamora. And if you'd like to continue this conversation, make sure you use the hashtag Blunt Talk on any social platform if you'd like to ask me a question or if you would like to tell me your opinion. Because let's be honest, we all have opinions. Until next time. Bye, everyone.